0: in a world filled with sharks bears and killer bees one man is brave enough to stay indoors to bring you the latest in gaming movie and pop culture news that man is tom awesome and this is the outside is overrated podcast
1: hello and welcome to outside is overrated a podcast about gaming and nerd pop culture thank you so much for joining us today I'm your host, Tom Sabacic, and we've got a great show lined up for you. We are talking Diablo. No, not Diablo 4, which launches June 6th. We are breaking down Diablo 2 Resurrected and the board game Sanctum. <laughs> Joining me for the discussion today are the Hobby Box, Joe Burns, Mr. Funny Pants himself. hey <laughs> And the Rogue Hippo, Patrick DeGeest. Hey, Tom. Patrick, you've been working as a stand-up comedian booking shows in rural Minnesota. How's business, my friend? fast-paced man yeah it looks like you booked all of may yeah oh you saw i did yeah we're we're gonna be
0: performing may this podcast will launch
1: may 1st so people will have a chance to check you out
0: all right, let's, uh, let's pump some dates. May 6th, more Minnesota. Our hometown! Yep, first time back in the hometown. The
1: prodigal son returns
0: the homecoming king back after <laughs>
1: 27 years after being coronated, right?
0: Yep, return of the king, back to claim my throne, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, a high risk, high reward, you know. you get. Uh, I, I expect more people to show up. Uh, my style of humor can be divisive at times. Yeah, you know, they're going to be like, oh yeah, it's Patrick. Turns out he's a... <laughs> yeah, he was a nice, friendly guy. You know, when I had him as a student in uh, 1995. <laughs> so it's, it's probably going to be more so because it's not like you're. You know, it's not like you have mean
2: humor. You just have pretty dark humor, and so they're going to be like more so. You know, I always did kind of think he was the kind of guy that skinned cats and was just going to like kill a bunch of people. So it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. this guy really likes the Girl Scouts. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. Yeah. Don't give away my best punchline. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're either going to ex- uh, know what to expect and be pleasantly surprised, or uh, you know, think I'm a nice young gentleman like I was back then and uh, be completely turned off. So come see that show, more in Minnesota. Yeah.
2: You're going to be able to get all the retired teachers to show up and watch. That's the that plan. Be... <laughs> <laughs> and they're
1: going to get trashed. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be magical for everyone.
0: <laughs> uh, quick, quick, other dates. Let's see what's after that. International Falls. May 12th. Um, Hibbing, Minnesota. May 19th. Oh, I probably should have looked this up. Oh, it's fine
1: if you don't know your own days to promote. It's not like I ever have my business in line here.
0: I've got so many.
1: Yeah, a lot of shows. Check it out at patdegeese.com, degeesecomedy.com. patdegeese.com?
0: patdegeese.com. Pat Pat or, uh, North... Comedy? No. No. Um. Or northcomedy.com.
1: What's it's- northcomedy.com? I
0: just bought it because some people didn't know how to spell the geest
1: oh that's clever Yeah, yeah nice work well burns you've been off the show for a couple of months you've been running around uh you went to adepticon we've been playing the board game burn cycle every month in our beloved robot club what's new with you my friend
2: yeah i've been busy with quite a few different things like you said adepticon which was good um other than that uh we started playing frosthaven over the last couple last few weeks everything you hoped it would be yeah it's it's a lot of fun it's basically gloomhaven but a lot of things are clarified and then there's just especially like the stuff that you do outside of your your missions um are just it's so much more it's just so much larger because you're you're building an entire outpost and you're collecting resources now not just gold and building new buildings and crafting materials and it's just everything is just amped up quite a bit more which is pretty neat and this is not hyperbole you spent
1: over 200 hours with the base game you and your core group that was playing it how much time do you think you're going to sink
2: into frosthaven oh i'm sure probably more than that because there's there now there's more scenarios in frosthaven like 40-ish more scenarios than we're in the base game of gloomhaven now granted you won't be able to play all those because sometimes things get locked depending upon decisions you make but then you also go back and play some of them over again for different reasons and so um yeah i mean it's gonna take longer it'll be a couple few years probably before we get to the end i would guess
1: i daydream about playing both gloomhaven and frosthaven as a family unit we have a family of four Mm -hmm. perfect party size Mm -hmm. it's gonna be great but let me put you on the spot here birds okay now you're batman you're Batman. Okay. The Riddler has two cages hanging over lava. Okay. And he's going to release them both at the same time. You can only save one, Burns. Okay. Do you save Gloomhaven slash Frosthaven or do you save Final Fantasy 14? 15, the online one. The one that we played together. 2014. 14,
2: 14 <laughs> is the online one. Um. Hmm. So. I'm going to poke a hole in your proposition. I will let Frosthaven fall into the flames and keep Final Fantasy XIV, and then we'll just play Chewie's copy of Frosthaven.
1: <laughs> no, it's all copies of Frosthaven on planet Earth that either have been printed or will be printed in the future.
2: It's a big cage. Uh, and we're out of
0: cardboard.
2: It'd probably be Frosthaven then. Like, I don't know. There'll be other games to play other than Final Fantasy XIV. And I can foresee a lot Frost of things. Frosthaven, you'd save? I'd save Frosthaven, yeah.
1: Wow, um, you've spent an obscene amount of time with FF14. Oh, yeah, and I'll
2: keep spending an obscene amount of time with Final Fantasy 14 because, you know, your hypothetical won't ever actually happen. So. Oh, we'll
1: see. I'm working on it, Burns.
2: <laughs> um, other than that,. Um, I mean, I guess we talked about my visit to urology on the uh, Tom and Joey Unfiltered. So listen to that if you uh, want to get the scoop on that. Um, you also any, saw any updates. No, no. I mean, it was it was all wrapped up in the oh. conversation we had in that. So yeah, don't know no, no changes, no nothing uh, after that. Um, and aside from that, I've been. Uh, We had just finished up my final speech tournament for the year. So finished judging high school speech and uh, yeah, saw the D and D movie, which was great.
1: How was the D and D
2: movie? It was, it was really great. It was a lot of fun. It's a Um, big name cast. Yeah. No. And and I think they did as good of a job as they could to appeal both to um, like D and D fans. Uh, There's lots of references to a lot of different things. Um, And then also, having it just be like a fun sort of fantasy romp that people that would have no idea what Dungeons & Dragons is could still enjoy because it's a fantasy movie and it's got a lot of humor. It's got a lot of heart. Um, The storyline is well-constructed all the way through. It's, It's actually... A really really great movie I'd highly recommend it to anybody which and it's kind of sad because it's like they would have made boatloads of money if they hadn't alienated like half of the tabletop RPG fan base um, with some of the decisions that they made um, around the turn of the year with the uh, OGL and and all all that stuff and so that definitely led to some people not seeing it that probably would have before you think they insulated
1: themselves against that backlash just by putting together such a quality film because eventually those nerds are going to hear that this is actually a great movie and they're going to go see it like no one else is going to hold out like i did to see the return of the king for over a decade yeah I, over um, ogl right people
2: will see it eventually but they make the most amount of their money off the box office right and so I don't know how it works yeah, yeah yeah so you make the most of like the whole idea with the box office is that that's where you make you want to make your budget back and then some, you know. And so the budget for the d d movie was $150 million. Um, I don't think budgets usually count the marketing. And the marketing is usually half of the budget or, like, another one times the budget. Um, and I think in the first two weeks of box office, they got close to $150 million back. And their original projections, they ended up cutting in half because of all of the OGL stuff and the new projections ended up being pretty pretty accurate but you know there's a lot of people that know about D&D play a lot of other tabletop RPGs for various other reasons that probably would have watched it or most likely would have watched it but didn't go because of all of the stuff that happened with Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast in January or
1: maybe they all had COVID babies and can't get to the movie theater right now I mean there's that too Patrick did you watch that movie with Kylo Ren and the dinosaurs
0: I did huh. sixty-five. Yeah, yeah. How was it? Mediocre. It was. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's like. Did giraffe. you wear
1: high-waisted pants in it with no shirt?
2: Yes. Yes. That uh, that sounds like the name of like a college-level like alternative band, Kylo Ren and the Dinosaurs. <laughs> I, I think that that would work out. Anybody can take that. I just filed
1: my trademark, so uh, now you can pay me a quarter anytime you say it. <laughs> (laughs) Before we launch into the show, we want to thank our sponsor, Premier Health. Check out their website at PremierHealthMN.com. That's PremierHealthMN.com. If you enjoy Outside is Overrated, please support the show at Patreon.com slash OIO. That's Patreon.com slash OIO. Your support goes towards the media we consume, equipment, and other expenses like uh, hosting a website. I just spent $500 re-upping the OIO website for three years. It's like, oh, I'm going to start writing some content. I'm going (laughs) to start doing more stuff with that. If you enjoy our personalities, you can follow the show on social. Email us at overratedpod at gmail.com. That is overratedpod at gmail.com. Follow Patrick at Rogue underscore Hippo on Twitter and at Pat DeGeese
2: on Instagram. Although Twitter now you also have, is it at Pat DeGeese?
0: Yeah, I'm trying to uh, become a unified social media front, so uh, Rogue Hippo's no more. I'm just Pat DeGeese on Twitter and Instagram.
2: You still have Rogue Hippo, though, right? You created a new Twitter for Pat the Geest? It's
0: set to be destroyed. They said it takes 30 days. So Oh, so you oh, told man. Twitter
2: to just expunge it just from
0: Just get rid earth. of it, yep. For all time, Whoa,
1: it is the end of the rogue hippo.
0: So uh, I can follow it if you want for uh, another maybe twenty-five days at this point. But yeah. run back through, take your screenshots, <laughs> yeah. get find, your cancellations yeah, prime, yeah. find something to cancel me for in ten years.
1: <laughs> and then uh, you know that's why we do show notes ahead of time. So like when we get to this section, I can just read off the relevant handles, and uh, we don't have to discuss yeah. your diminishing <laughs> handle. Thanks, Pat. You can also follow Burns at HobbyBoxBurns on Twitter and at twitch.tv slash HobbyBoxBurns. Follow me at Tom OIO on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also follow the show at Facebook.com slash OutsideIsOverrated. For our first segment today, we cover Diablo 2 Resurrected. Way back in June of 2000, our lives changed forever. Forever! With the release of Diablo 2 forever the game improved on its predecessor in several key ways with more characters to choose from a better story and more loot to grind in 2001 the expansion lord of destruction launched adding two new characters and charms of various sizes to your bag Uh, they also revolutionized gaming with diablo 1 with battle.net which was also expanded for diablo 2 Blizzard has been remastering games with varying degrees Ooh. of success. Burns, what was your level of interest in jumping into this remake of the classic Diablo 2?
2: I was intrigued I mean it, it had... like honestly I had not played it in two decades. easy um, and so I was intrigued to see what it would what it would play like and what it would be like. but um, like if we wouldn't have actually like played it for the podcast, I probably would not have purchased it. Um, And actually, I didn't purchase it. You know, you thankfully provided it for me. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, thank you to the Patreon supporters, which goes right back to you, Burns. Oh, yeah. This is, so it's my lunch and video game savings account. Yep.
0: Awesome.
1: Yeah, exactly. It works both ways. I like it. Patrick, I assume you hadn't played Diablo in 20-some years. Were you excited to go back to this classic?
0: Mildly excited. (laughs) I, uh... I just don't game anymore as much as you guys do, Um, but I also don't have the aversion to old-school games that you seem to have. Oh, I
1: I hate them with a burning, fiery passion. I
0: probably prefer them, so I like something I can just dive into and know exactly what I I need to do.
1: Pat likes crappy things, and he plays primarily on the Wii. So, Patrick, just how was it, jumping back into this timeless classic for you, how was your experience? You
0: know, I I went in with a little bit of hope uh, that was dashed upon the rocks. Pretty quickly. <laughs> what happened? Um, I procrastinated. We set up our time
1: and date to play, and we're like, oh, all right, we're all going to get together this night, and like, I had been playing a bit leading up to that point.
2: And we had the code like three months in advance. <laughs> we bought it,
1: I think I got it in November of last year, so yeah, we had, yeah. it was a pretty big window. Three, four months in advance, even, yeah.
0: maybe. Yeah, so I think the uh, the day before we were scheduled to play, I installed it, left it at that point um you said let's let's log in at whatever time i think 30 minutes before that i decided to fire it up (laughs) and uh i kept getting an error message it just would not work and and that does happen sometimes Uh with pc gaming uh, i'm usually pretty good at troubleshooting those issues Uh, i went through some forums uh, and and
1: what was the root issue like what is the thing that you couldn't overcome to actually boot up diablo 2 on your computer
0: uh, I would fire it up and it would just shut down. And I, um, eventually, what I found out is they said you have to have a dedicated video card to play Diablo 2 Resurrected. And I am, <laughs> I play on a, a pretty decent laptop, just does not have a its own yeah, video card. It has I'm, like uh, Intel integrated video yeah. card. And I'm I'm positive it has the specs to play Diablo 2 Resurrected. But well, you checked all the
1: specs, like you yeah. looked, you matched it up, and yep,
0: they just made the decision that uh, if you don't have a video card, it will check for that. I, uh, my box was ticked no, and it said you can't play.
1: Mm-hmm. And how does that make you feel about Blizzard as a company?
0: Um, what did you call it before? Uh, hit or miss? They're, they're remakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: varying degrees of success. Varying yeah. degrees
0: of success. This, this was uh, not a success well, in my book.
2: I was going to say, yeah, you playing it had no degrees of success. Yeah, yeah. right.
0: Zero degrees of <laughs> success. It's almost just an arbitrary, I don't know arbitrary requirement. I can't imagine what what was going on in their minds to to say this group of people can't play.
2: I mean, it's probably not that as much as they wanted to do something graphically and then they look at like specs that people typically have, probably that play other games on battle.net and are like, "Okay, what percentage do we have to try to include in order f- I'm sure there's like lots of business things that go into it as well as just like from just from a uh, like technology standpoint, what it is that they can a- accommodate, right? But like you said, if your graphics card is good enough, it's just that it's not the type that they want. That's kind of, that's lame. And haven't we reached the level of sophistication with PC gaming that, like, they can
1: scan your system and see whether or not the game's going to run on this? Like Supposedly.
2: Should've... They could do that, like, decades ago.
1: Yeah, so it's surprising to me that you didn't get some kind of error message saying, oh, this is what's happening. Here's why Diablo won't work. Thanks for your money. You're never getting it back.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty frustrating. And it's, it's an older, uh, it's a laptop, but I've upgraded it. You know, I, I doubled the RAM. It's got 16 uh, gigabytes of RAM. Or megabytes of RAM, whatever one it is. Yeah,
2: it'd be gigabytes uh, now. Gigabyte. I, you
0: know, I, I put a solid-state hard drive in, which makes things run a lot faster. It's just a, you know, integrated video card. But I just... I watched uh, some videos on YouTube. I can't imagine there's anything my computer could not handle yeah. based on what I was watching. They just decided not to let you play. It'd be weird. It'd be like saying, you know, if your car can't do 100 miles an hour, you can't drive on, on highways it's like well I don't need it to go 100 65 <laughs> is plenty I'm like well we checked your car it can't do 100 so you, you're not allowed to drive here
1: so uh, go sit down in all seriousness Pat uh, why didn't you jump into this game before like were you not that interested in a remake of this classic game or like what was the hold up are you just too busy in your comedy career do you hate me with the burning fiery passion
0: no it, it's it's comedy stuff man it's it's I, it started my own business um, there's, uh, there's finally for once in my life, a tangible return in the amount of work I put into something. <laughs> and with comedy, you can, you can put 20 hours a week or 40 hours a week or 60 hours a week. And I, I'm putting a lot more in than, than I'm taking to play video games or watch movies or things like that.
1: Sure. So, uh, I'm going to take that as you hate me with the burning fiery <laughs> passion. Let's start a discussion with our history with Diablo. Bernsey, where did you come from with Diablo as a franchise coming back to Resurrected?
2: Yeah, I played a decent amount of the original game. Um and I, and so oddly enough, before Diablo three, like my history with the game, like the vast majority that I played of both Diablo one and Diablo two were at like land parties at friends' houses where we would just marathon through the entire game um and in one sitting as best as we can
1: and having just played a substantial
2: amount of d2 resurrected like that's uh yeah that's a commitment Uh (laughs) uh-huh yeah because i I think and i don't know how long because i don't remember if it was with the expansion for two or not when we did that um but uh Yeah, and we got through all the way through it. I'm pretty sure we... We at least made it to the final boss, but I'm pretty sure we beat the final boss too. Um, It was like four of us um, hanging around doing that. So Diablo games in general, I've mostly played co-op. Diablo 3, when that came out on the PS4, was awesome. And uh, played that co-op with Lance. I think we beat the main boss of the main campaign but i don't think we finished the expansion and then we played i think to like the third chapter me you and lance as a group um when we played through diablo it was I something have, like that i have no recollection
1: of playing that game with you and lance
2: yeah we played it all online um you know cuz i was in texas he was in arizona cuz we were thinking about doing that for our original podcast for the goon gamecast before that uh got defunct because i got way too busy with work so yeah podcasts are a lot of work yeah yeah and i was doing two of them at the time um that both had run times of (laughs) way too many hours and so yeah it ended up uh it ended up needing to fall to the wayside but uh yeah diablo's always been one of those things where i've enjoyed the game i i like the characters like especially like deckard Kane is a pretty just his voice I think yeah. uh, Stay a while And yeah. listen yeah. Deckard King Root You know And all that stuff I, I just I really enjoy Like his voice Specifically And like Especially playing through Diablo 2 Like the music Like I remembered Like as I would hear Especially that First area as you'd hear some of the music, you're just like, oh, okay, yeah, I remember hearing this song oh. over and over and over <laughs> again. So
1: I will literally never forget about it. Uh, again, this isn't hyperbole. Diablo has always been one of my favorite franchises. The first game was one of the first games that I truly fell in love with. I played it on PC. I played it like crazy. D2, when it came out, it was my favorite game. Mm-hmm. Even when I ranked the top 40 games of my lifetime for my 40th birthday when I used to do a monthly column, it was number 6. So D2 has always held a special place my heart. I played D3 at launch and it sucked. I hated it. I hated mm. it so much.
2: <laughs> and you played it on computer first?
1: Yep. I bought it on PC at launch because that's how you played Diablo up until that point. It was always mm-hmm. PC. And then when they reskinned it for console and I had a Couch Co op, that's when that game really took off for me. And it's actually now my wife's favorite game. So we played quite a bit of D3. We went back to it before the show and it's still polished and awesome and super fun. Uh, I have barely played Diablo Immortal because I don't need diablo on my phone mm-hmm.
2: yeah that doesn't have that doesn't have a lot of appeal to me um and especially like the whole loot grind aspect um and then the pay to win kind of and it's mm. not necessarily pay to win but like the microtransactions in order to when you get to the end game like level things just f- sounded like it was egregious but it's the same type of thing i don't i don't know how much i would like playing that with touch controls um,
1: I mean at this stage of my life I have every console I have a Steam Deck I have a Switch like if I need to play something on the go like I have the tools and technology to do that I can't do D2 on this Steam Deck that I'm aware of maybe there's a way to make it run but
2: yeah I'm sure there's ways that people have, have made it work so you could load the uh, battle.net launcher on there I guess I don't know if that natively works with Linux or not which is the base operating system of the Steam Deck yeah. Um, I oh. bet you, you could, I, I'm sure people have tried at least, and they'd have like a legitimate reason as to why it won't work if it doesn't work. But, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's, uh, I, that doesn't seem like the way that I'd want to play it. Like after playing Diablo two, I think the only way I want to play Diablo games moving forward is on, uh, is on console.
1: Yeah. And I want to poke at that point just a little bit more later. Before moving off our history with Diablo, I actually have two shared experiences with Patrick. That's why I'm so excited to have you on the show, Patrick. <laughs> we spent a summer living in your mom's cabin on a lake together. Very rustic, but we had the PlayStation 1, we had Diablo, and I think our first night at the cabin, we played Diablo. Yeah. And uh, on the second or third level of the original game was one of the iconic bosses the butcher mm-hmm. <laughs> do you remember how our encounter with the butcher went
0: oh yeah i remember that's one of my fondest memories of diablo i guess any diablo memories not just the first game oh yeah we we lost to the butcher which i didn't even think was possible but we just, <laughs> i think we boiled it down to we just pressed x for like 3 hours straight and, and we, we didn't beat him
1: we <laughs> used every potion we used, we used every resource every
0: <laughs> potion every dollar or every gold we had you know buying gear and potions uh, still lost to the butcher and then <laughs> Did we give up at that point? Yeah, we did. Go do something else? Yep. <laughs> what What character were you guys? Oh, that I
1: don't remember. I think I was maybe the uh, ranger, rogue, bow lady.
0: I know at least one of us had the bow, and I don't forget what the other one was. But Yeah. We didn't make it out of there. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, that was one of my fondest memories, too. And I think I have more... Diablo 1 memories than Diablo 2 memories.
1: Interesting. I'm more Diablo 2 and another shared experience that we had, I came up to visit you once, I brought the laptop and we powered through all of Diablo yeah. 2 in a weekend.
2: Yeah. That, uh... That's when Diablo good. 2 would work on a laptop? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Back was when it? technology worked right.
2: Oh my God, we went backwards.
0: <laughs> I, I remember another one. I had, I had a girlfriend on Diablo 1 Battle.net. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh?
0: Well... I feel like this is a uh, this is maybe an early part of Me Too, like a reverse Me Too. She, she was like very, very high level and I just showed up as a noob in one of these worlds and she would make me kiss her and then give me better gear. <laughs> so like she would type kiss and then I would type kiss and then she would like drop some good loot for me.
2: <laughs> and how, how many times did this happen?
0: A lot, like I had, I, 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 I suspect it was a, a dupe bug where she was just duplicating uh, her good stuff. But yeah, I had to I had to put out, basically, to, to get some of the best gear in the game at level one. She's and this, a sugar
2: mama.
1: Huh? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. This is before webcams. How does that rank compared to the time when I came out of the bathroom at the strip club and the stripper was handing you money?
0: <laughs> that one's much better, right? Like,
2: <laughs> So, what percent certainty do you have that this was a girl? 1%. 0.72%. Yeah, yeah.
0: If you go by the math, those are those are the appropriate odds. Okay. But uh, it just, it doesn't seem like what a guy pretending to be a girl would do, right? I think they would do the reverse, wouldn't they?
2: No, I could see Dan doing that. It was probably Dan. Wouldn't? <laughs> I mean, people catfish other people for lots of different reasons. Well,
0: I just figured they'd, they'd pretend to be a low-level girl trying to get good stuff from a high-level girl. Male and not the reverse, but uh, you know I could be wrong. You're you're right. They they could just be having fun, you know.
1: Get lost in the role yeah. playing of the eroticism Diablo.
0: of making <laughs> eroticism. It, of making out with my level one Diablo character for a helmet. Do you uh,
1: remember what your name? Were you like huge
0: Wang or something? I think it was just De Geest.
1: Oh yeah oh. yeah using your real name online stuff great yeah, promoting oh, at was... an early early age <laughs> yeah.
2: this was way before people worried about doxing and any of that bad stuff that happens it's, like all the time now yeah.
1: swatting and all of that yeah I'm gonna keep making this face right now because it's gonna make for a great picture
2: <laughs> yeah no I don't think because I don't <laughs> think that would ever been a that I don't think that was ever a thing until like a decade ago swatting and everything like that yeah
1: the world has moved on well patrick you have an affinity for d1 i have an affinity for d2 bernsey what do you think is d2 rank in the history of gaming like where where does the diablo franchise slot in amongst like some of the heavyweights
2: yeah that's always tricky because of the fact that like without diablo 1 there would not have been a diablo 2 but diablo 2 was kind of what brought it that much more into the mainstream. Now, I think part of that was just because of how popular Diablo became as it, like, as time went on. Um, It's hard. Like, I think Diablo 2 is probably still the most iconic of the Diablo games. Uh, And it's probably not going to get topped. And, you know, when you have, like, Path of Exile, basically, which is a clone of Diablo 2... Um that was created after Diablo 3 came out that went away some of the original conventions of Diablo two and modernized things a little bit. I should definitely play a Path of Exile. Hey Pat, you can play that on a laptop. And it's free to play too, so you always got that going for you. I'll huh? check so. my
0: specs. <laughs> no, try to launch it. Actually launch <laughs> oh, yeah, it. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's learn. Yeah. What day I'll launch it twenty minutes before. <laughs>
1: And watch it patch while we play. <laughs> I think it's interesting that D2 created the framework or the format for the action role-playing game. Like, it defined the genre at a very early age. Uh, thinking about the time when it came out, around 2000, we were in the PlayStation 2 era. Mm-hmm. The Xbox had... was about to launch? Had just launched the original Xbox?
2: Yeah, it would have been the, it would have been right around... it might have been a little bit after when the PS2 launched. Because um, I think, yeah, the Xbox came out maybe in 2001 um, Yeah, it was uh, Or 2002
1: It was spring of 2001 It was okay. definitely out in 2001 Because it was out my first semester of college
2: Gotcha um, So here's a question to clarify that What did Diablo 2 do That makes that the progenitor of ARPGs That Diablo didn't do so, why is it that Diablo 2 is the grandfather of all ARPGs, or modern ARPGs? I think it's the skill tree. Okay. Because
1: in Diablo 1, you gained experience, you leveled up, you uh, assigned your attribute points, uh-huh. uh, but... If I remember correctly, the only skills that you gained were by reading books for the different skills, and books were tied to different attribute levels. So like, you can game it a little bit. If you wanted higher level magic spells, you could save all your gear that boosts your magic and just put it on, memorize your spell, and then take it off and go back to your regular Mm. gear.
2: That, I mean, that sounds right. I, I have a terrible memory, and so I don't really for sure remember how that works. And I'm also surprised that they redid Diablo 2, but they did redo Diablo? Yeah, very strange. Because um, I don't know how playable that is. I mean, it's an older game, so you'd think it's even harder to play in a modern standpoint now. What would have been interesting, D2 Resurrected
1: is a very faithful recreation of Diablo 2, mm-hmm. almost to a fault. Mm -hmm. Not not almost, to a fault. Mm -hmm. It would have been great if they did the faithful resurrection of Diablo 1 and then put modern touches on 2. I think that would have been an interesting way to handle it.
2: And I don't know, you know, I mean, I wish I would have thought of this beforehand um, because I would have looked it up. Because I don't know if Battle.net allows for like mods. Or if there's checks when you try to launch a game through battle.net, because that's something that like the mod community would be able to do. Um, Though some of that spits into the face of hardcore D2 fans that are just like, I want D2 as it was, you know, Um, but because that would be something that would be interesting is if they created some mods to fix some of that stuff. Um, or make that so that it wasn't so cumbersome in different ways to Well, to Blizzard play. can be super wonky about how yeah. they do things. Like, mm-hmm.
1: I have a copy, a physical copy of Diablo 3, not Diablo 3, Warcraft 3, that I bought forever ago. Uh-huh. And I'd never actually played it. One day, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try Warcraft 3 today. And I put it into the system, and I booted it up, and you couldn't actually load your CD. Like, you had to buy, this was after Reforged <laughs> came out. So you're supposed oh. to buy Reforged, and they wouldn't let you play a physical copy anymore. Really? They since went back and passed. <laughs> (laughs) And now I have Diablo 3 Reforged in my uh, Battle.net launcher. But originally, when they launched Reforged, you couldn't play your CD. You literally
2: couldn't make your CD work anymore. I mean, I don't have a computer that has a CD drive in it anymore, so I couldn't play it anyway. Um, And that was one of those, like you were talking about hits and misses. Uh, Warcraft 3 Reforged was famous for being a huge swing and a miss of like remaking a classic game, um, that just did not, did not perform well. Um, it was hammered for bugs and just making weird decisions with certain things from what I remember people saying, um, which is unfortunate because I loved the old Warcraft games. I mean, that was, I played Warcraft two was my first Warcraft game. Warcraft two and, uh, Diablo were like games yeah. that opened up gaming mm-hmm. for me, and I played Warcraft and Warcraft two far more than I've ever played Diablo. I haven't played it in ages because they haven't released a, a new Warcraft game in ages, um, you know, and they're probably not going to after Reforged, you know, crap the bed. So I don't know. That's unfortunate because uh, like those were some of the first computer games I like really got into, not counting like old Apple games. Stuff you know, like Oregon Trail, Odell Lake, uh, Number Munchers,
0: <laughs> Spell Elevator, um,
2: Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy. I play, I had a lot of like Card Sharks, <laughs> Card Sharks was a great Apple e game. Um, but uh, yeah, like it's just unfortunate that it's just weird. I can't believe they didn't go back to Warcraft 2 because Warcraft 2, like Warcraft 3 did a lot and it sort of evolved RTS's in general and it created. Um it created like what um uh, League of Legends it got Dota, like those types of games. Um because of the hero system and then a mod off of that was what Dota was, I think. Defense of the Ancients or was
1: yeah, I think Dota
2: was the first. I believe Dota was the and it was a mod, it was originally a mod off of Warcraft three where you just played as the heroes. Um and then that spawned one of the more popular genres right now that I don't know anybody that plays them, <laughs> but it's it's super popular online. Yeah, I think Wilson plays them, doesn't he? Or does he just? He like used the board to. Game he versions? used to play. He used to play Heroes of New Earth, um, which recently closed down. Yeah, he played it. He played it a lot. Um, but yeah, I've never. I don't think I've ever actually tried a MOBA. It just there's a big learning curve. I've never yeah. been willing to put the time in. Yeah. Blizzard, as a
1: company, has done a lot of interesting stuff, and I would bring this back to Diablo. I would say that Diablo 2 is one of the rare games that's worth revisiting in this day and age, and I am excited to dive into our thoughts.
2: So, when would the cutoff be for Diablo 3 to be too old to enjoy anymore in your mindset? Minds, mindset? Since, you, since old games suck, and you can't play any old games because they're just not worth any time, Like, when does Diablo 3 become an old game that sucks now? when they stop
1: releasing new content for it they're still doing seasons and they're still innovating with it and it still feels like a fresh and new experience i guess when life moves on and they find a new awesome way to do action rpgs which i don't know if that will ever exist yeah so um i don't know it's still good today hopefully it's still good tomorrow maybe when d4 comes out i don't know yeah it's hard to tell oh we've spent a good chunk of time with Diablo 2 Resurrected now. Burnsy, what are your thoughts going back to Diablo 2
2: Resurrected? Is this remake a great direction for the game? I mean, I would say that it's it's a real... It's a good recreation and modernization... Okay, graphical modernization of the original Diablo um, <clears> 2. <throat> it feels just like the game just like i remember the game feeling i'm sure there's optimizations with how it plays to some extent. um auto and- picks up gold that's a win <clears throat> that is true that is true um you know and it, it you know you still for better or for worse you like run into some of the same like issues that you have <laughs> with like inventory management ad nauseum and um you know but uh i i think it i think it's a it's definitely far better from what a lot of people said about Warcraft Three Reforged, and so. And granted, it was a different team that did this, um, so so yeah. I don't know. I I think it's I think it's a really good rep- representation of it, and it's probably the best way to play it. Nowadays, It's probably the only way to play it nowadays. I mean, if you still have your Diablo... Well, yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's not even true. I was going to say, if you still have your Diablo 2 disc, it maybe works, but it probably doesn't anymore.
1: (laughs) I'm willing to bet it would have to connect to battle.net to patch up and coin flip whether or not it would actually work. Yeah, Yeah, probably diablo 2 resurrected it's fun it's a fun game it's a fun way to experience diablo 2 again uh but definitely no longer groundbreaking and i couldn't help but thinking we spent probably 12 hours just you and me online playing this uh with maybe an hour of that patrick on the discord chat with us (laughs) talking about his frustrations trying to install it uh and through that time i couldn't help but think there are so many other
2: games that like i'd rather play co-op with you yeah i would I would agree with that like it, it, it's been fun going back to it and you know like <clears throat> this is the first time I really remember playing a diablo game where I've actually like really really thought about like builds um you know we've talked about that with other games in the past that sometimes that becomes like an afterthought as to what abilities i go into or it's just like okay i'm just gonna pick a tree and go down it and that's kind of it um although this game kind of tends to push you a lot more in that direction of just like pigeonholing yourself in one way and going with it and that seems to be the better option but um like I did have a little bit of a pull at times where it's like, ah, it'd be fun to go through and play a sorceress, but focus more on these, focus more on ice uh, instead and see how that really changes things. Um, You know, and then thinking about some of the other classes that I'd maybe want to try and different builds that I could do with that. As far as I remember the other games, like especially, you know, when the way that i was playing it at a land party was basically like binging the game you don't really have a lot of time to think about that you're just selecting the things so you can jump back out of town and go do whatever everybody else is doing you know and so now that i've been thinking about it a little bit more and i played through the first act as a druid and i played through the first two and a half acts as a sorceress um, it's gotten me thinking about, oh, yeah, how could I maybe do some things a little bit different or more optimally if I started again from from scratch? Um, and that's also made me interested in wanting to play some of the other classes, um, either that I played way long ago, like the Amazon and the uh, Barbarian um, or place like the one like Assassin. I don't think I've ever played. Um, and it has me intrigued to see like how that plays different. And I I think I played a Ranger in like Diablo one. Um, and so it's been a while since I messed around with that, that type of a character too. So, so yeah, I don't know. It's, um, <clears throat> it, 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 that, it, it, that compels me, but that being said, I would much rather play a lot of other things, um, than that, which is probably why I haven't played as much of it as maybe I started off playing. Cause I did jump in. I played a good amount as a druid before we jumped on and played together, um, and then I never went back to that character after we started playing as a sorceress because I had more fun with the sorceress so I should have started another character solo to see how that goes probably as a multiplayer ladder character so I could share uh, stuff between characters so
0: when you both say you'd rather be playing other co-ops are these like uh, Torchlight action RPGs or just any, any co-op game whatsoever <laughs> specific titles, how about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, we played Torchlight 3 for Game Pass Forever, and we enjoyed that. I think that was a more fun, like, shared experience. Because, like, in D2 Resurrected, sometimes we were together, sometimes we just split off to try to find the MacGuffin more quickly, and it didn't seem to really impact the gameplay until we were at that boss fight at the end of Act 2. Then we uh, needed to be working together.
2: I mean, if it was an ARPG, I'd probably rather play Diablo 3 than either of those. Yeah, I'd take Path of Exile, just because I haven't played it i mean i would try i try i play path, path of exile again it's been a long time and i never made it super deep in that um so i'd be i'd be willing to give that a go but um, even beyond arpgs like i'd rather
1: play divinity with you we oh, like, yeah. are like 20 hours into that together yeah. uh overwatch um i'd rather drag you into destiny 2 kicking and screaming no <laughs>
2: Final Fantasy fourteen Tom? Yeah, ff fourteen. Uh
1: I don't work. I c I'm not work i am not going to pay a monthly fee for the game right now. You got five
2: days. Oh, five five day days. free login campaign.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so much for those interviews this week. I'm yeah. gonna reset my hot bars and go nuts.
2: Yeah, yeah. See there you go. Um so I don't know. I think or like Frosthaven. Like I if I if I was given the choice of getting together with the same group of people online and playing Diablo 2 or getting together to play Frosthaven I played Frosthaven or even Gloomhaven online I'd rather play Gloomhaven online uh, with a group of people the video game version um, than play Diablo 2 with a group of people so I just think there's new there's there's like new places to explore going back to something from back then um, isn't as intriguing anymore, especially just with some of the clunkiness of playing Diablo 2 now. It's not as bad as like when we went back and played GoldenEye for the first time in like a decade. um, That was Perfect Dark. Or Perfect Dark. That Um, was unplayable. That was a wretch. Yes, yes. And so it wasn't that, but... uh, there's definitely some things that it's just like I'd I'd rather have it be a little bit different
1: I still enjoy the core loop here with Diablo 2 Resurrected but for me it's best suited as something I pop into quick and like try to get to the next uh, warp pad or to cross off one more quest on the list and then bounce back out like for me it's got to be a bite-sized experience because i played act three in its entirety from beginning to end yesterday and it's like oh that's uh that is enough diablo 2 for this show (laughs)
2: yeah i mean it's
1: grueling i I mean and i mean act three is not structured very well so that's maybe not the best example i played the opening area at least one two three four five different times with five different characters and like i'm sick of that now but Uh i enjoyed it multiple times (laughs) yeah
2: um well and so I think the other thing is and we're kind of going back to some other discussions that we've had previously about uh, co-op games is, you know, when you're playing through the campaign co-op, you know, there's always the piece of, okay, who's going to get the quest, who's going to turn in the quest, Um, how long it takes because the dialogue in Diablo takes a long time to get through um, you know, it's, it's very much computer RPG versus like your console RPG in that sense where, you know, some of those, some of those dialogues can take a long time as it slowly scrolls, scrolls through as they're saying what they're saying. Um, and that gets difficult to do as a group. Um, you know, unless everybody's playing through it, the story for the first time, like aside from that it's just really difficult because otherwise people are waiting around for five minutes while you're listening to this and having and then, played a lot of games with me, where would you gauge my tolerance <laughs> level
1: for just waiting around?
2: Um, what's the scale, Leroy Jenkins? Yeah, that's, <laughs> okay. that is that is exactly what it is. So, um, though it's like I feel like we've got like we got into a good rhythm of it's like oh I gotta go back to town. All right, well I'm just gonna cruise around here and do this or whatever you know. And most of the time when one of us had to go back to town, both of us had to because you know the inventories fell up. Um, Especially when it's two thirds full of charms. Yes, yes. I mean, those things are um, a blessing and a curse, right? But uh, so, 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 yeah. I, I just, I don't know. Like that's, and, and then on top of that, with co-op also, um, and I don't know. I never went back in, but like the bug we ran into at the end of our last session together, where it dropped the item to turn in for the quest. And sometimes one person can turn it in and it works for the whole party. Other times it doesn't. And this time it dropped, it only dropped one, it seemed like, and you picked it up. And then I couldn't find one of it. Yeah, how was it being? (laughs) How uh,
1: how was the experience playing a ranged character with the loot monster out in front?
2: (laughs) I mean, you had a lot more gold than I had, I'm pretty sure. Um, but it didn't really matter. Like, well, there was
1: the one time I died because you stood on a bridge and blocked all of my minions from crossing over to help me yeah. and I died and then you walked over and took my
2: gold. So you
1: recoup some and of it. It was all
2: inadvertent. It was more of a, it was more of a, I'm just clicking on all this stuff to pick it up kind of thing. Uh, hey, that one looks like
1: a necromancer. Oh, that's a big yeah. pile of gold. Well,
2: and it's like, yeah, I don't know. Like there was a couple other piles of gold, so it looked similar. It mm-hmm. was larger, but it looked similar. So. Yeah. <laughs> phoenix
1: said it was a good size (laughs) let's talk about some of the characters and builds that we uh played with we both played as a druid i played a hardcore druid named harry potter he made it to level 14 yeah that would have been more okay more fitting but i went for a magic user um uh patronus type build and i lost my hardcore druid to leg and now discord will not let me see my show notes
2: discord you mean
1: yeah i had a discord tops. notification pop up. oh yeah yeah. yeah. And i couldn't that's uh, annoying swiping sometimes. swiping yeah, did, yeah. and swiping yeah so i lost my uh first hardcore character to lag was
0: that frustrating
1: it was exceptionally <laughs> frustrating uh one of the big issues i had with this game brins you mentioned the bug that you saw with the with the dagger that we needed for the quest in act three I was having major connectivity issues with this game. At times, it would be absolutely unplayable. You can play an offline character, but with a shared stash across characters, which is one of the big modernizations, one of the big modern touches of this game, Uh, you can share items in your stash with other characters, but they have to be the same game mode. So as an offline character, I could never share those with my characters that I was playing with you or with anyone else for that matter. Uh, So when connectivity wouldn't let me play as an online character in any online games, I'd have to play offline it was just frustrating so often to be locked out of the game to not be able to um like play it it wasn't as bad as marvel avengers the broken buggy janky (laughs) tech demo that that game is uh but i'm glad that we didn't run into many of those connectivity issues when we were playing together
2: yeah i mean we had the one weird thing with my internet at the end of like the second to last time we played together where i kept like dropping out of everything and then like i'd be able to get back in and then it'd just drop us out again um and we were about to wrap up anyway so it, you know it, it kind of worked out but it was frustrating it's like okay we just gotta do this one last thing it's just like oh up, oh, you can't hear me anymore oh oh nothing's working oh, oh so so yeah but i mean and that's probably not on the game that instance because i'm pretty sure it was my connection being wonky but yeah i mean that's that's just the nature of you know games in 2023 though with almost everything having to have some online component or having to always be online like Diablo 4 it's always online you can't have offline characters in Diablo 4 and so um, if you can't get a connection to the server you're not going to be able to play and so there is there is that aspect of gaming in 2023 that You know, we just have to get used to dealing with. Um,
1: Yeah, Duhel's going to love it. A cool (laughs) thing about druids, mine turned into a werebear. That's where I was pumping all my points into the transformation tree. I like that. I thought it was super fun.
2: So I started doing some of the transformation tree, but whenever I turned into, like, the werewolf as the druid, um, before I got to the werebear, I felt like I was doing just garbage damage. Like, it didn't feel like I was actually, like, killing things effectively. And so eventually I just sort of... Spect in the opposite direction and was just going full summons so i'd have the maximum amount of birds that i could have out i'd have the maximum amount of wolves i could have out the vines were fun i never got to the vines i never got to the vines because i have a tendency or or this time while playing through this game i have the tendency of like once i have an ability i like i just keep spamming that for a while um like leveling that up every time in a row um probably to my detriment because I probably should branch out a little bit more. I don't know.
1: Your sorcerer was melting things with lightning.
2: Yeah. I mean, I was drinking potions. Like it was my job. Like she was throwing lightning bolts with one and just a steady stream (laughs) of posh mana potions that she was chugging with chugging with her left hand. Um, But uh, so I don't know. That was the weird thing. And maybe if I would have done more with the werebear form, I did unlock like one level of it. Maybe if I would have done more with that, it would have been uh, different. One thing I will say, um, sort of tying back into how well Diablo 2 Resurrected kind of plays in the interface. One thing that's that's I'm pretty sure an improvement over the original is your ability to use like the mouse scroll to flip through your spells, oh, as good. opposed to having to select like the uh, function keys and set the function keys to that. The problem is is as you get going through the game because you can only map like function 1 through 8 with uh, you know with like spells if you're playing like one of the spell heavy characters I mean by the time I got to where we were at I had more than eight spells unlocked so it's just like do I just are there some of these that I'm never gonna cast again and I can remove them and put them on there and trying to figure out with them not being, like, on dedicated buttons that you could flip to. And I was trying to remember, I never played a Sorceress on Diablo 3, so I don't really have a reference point as to if it's any better on that game than it was in Diablo 2. But, like, it did get... There's so many times I was rejiggering the order of those things so that it's like, okay, I'm going to have, like, my top three lightning abilities on f123 so i can just scroll between them i'm gonna put my armor on f8 so i could scroll up to that and it's like oh no i'm gonna put my armor down here instead and i don't know it's just like having dedicated buttons for those instead of having to i don't know it's it's weird because i mean you do have the function keys so they would be dedicated but i don't know i i struggled with finding a happy medium with that aspect of it with character with a character that had a lot of Uh, spells to cast and a lot of abilities to cast
1: that's interesting i spent a decent amount of time with six different characters i never ran into that issue like the f1 through f8 was always enough for me and i honestly forgot that you could scroll between the items because i'm so imprecise in my scrolling and like the midst of action it's like Uh if i need to go one item down like
2: yeah and i think part of that comes down to just i don't play a lot of games on the computer um and playing diablo 2 resurrected has made me realize that I just still just don't really enjoy playing games that much on a computer. I think a lot of it's just, I don't have a really good setup for it. Um, and so I'll be comfortable for a while, but then eventually like, I'll get stiff or like my, my hands will get like numb because of the way that I have to sit to, you know, have my hand on the keyboard and have my hand doing that. And so I just, I've, I've, I've been softened. I've, I've, I've gotten so accustomed to playing console games with the controller that I just struggle a lot when trying to play games with a keyboard and mouse.
1: Well, Patrick, you only play games on the Wii or the PC. Would you like to Savage Burns for his taste <laughs> in gaming?
0: Uh, I'll be open-minded here. What when would you guys feel that got better? Because when we played Diablo on PlayStation I felt that was vastly inferior to the PC. But uh, you know I'm not I'm not completely opposed to saying it, it, it I'm sure it's gotten better since then. Well, I
1: mean D3 is 100 million miles yeah. ahead of Diablo 1. <laughs> it, it, it's hard to say because the technology is so different. One big difference now with the PlayStation one we were chained to the PlayStation like we could literally only sit back as far back as the cables would go. Now like we could sit here and play Diablo 3 if we just knocked down two walls of my house or a,
2: put up a system of mirrors that's
0: cheaper. Oh yeah yeah the targeting seems so much better with a mouse. Uh, what, what are you targeting with on a, on a controller?
2: Oh, it's been so long since I've played D3. You've played D3 more recently.
1: Yeah, I mean, you basically just roll through everything like a tornado. <laughs> uh, like, I'm playing a uh, witch doctor, so, like, I have some uh, wolves that I summon, and I throw out a bunch of frogs. Uh, basically, my X ability shoots straight ahead of me, so, like, it's a projectile straight ahead. My summons will run over to whatever is coming next, and then I have a couple area things that I trigger that just i think auto target the biggest group of mobs hmm. so like they take a lot of the precision out of a d3 is streamlined in like every way like you okay. don't even have to there is a button that you can use to choose potions but most of your gear will also regenerate health so if you get low in health you can just run out of the fray run around kite around until uh you're better you would lose your mind with d3 patrick
0: you <laughs> <I> think so <laughs>
1: A couple other characters. uh, I played a hardcore barbarian named Double Hump. He got up to level 23. I had him focused on fighting with two weapons. Uh, And then with a hardcore character, one death, he's gone forever. So I was completely uh, focused on boosting defense for that character. And almost all of my skill points went into a passive buff that doubled my defense for a period of time. And so it was really frustrating. Like, every minute I'd have to click F1 and then click right-click and then go back to my fighting abilities just to keep that buff up forever. I mm-hmm. uh, wound up losing him to the boss at the end of Act 2, which was the worst fight that I encountered. Uh, I played an assassin called River Tam. She made it to level 25. She made it through the third act. It's the first time I've ever played as an assassin. Really interesting character because a lot of their game is based on... Uh, a combo you have a charge up attack which you can stack up to three charges and then you have finishing moves which will release those charges to do something so for this character for most of the game i was i'd hit r3 do my three attacks hit or uh, f3 and then i would hit f4 to switch to the finishing move do that attack hit f3 to go back to the charge up attack eventually i mapped it so that the charge up attack was right click and the finisher was left click okay Uh, I had that backwards. I was left-click for charge, right-click for finisher. But it was an interesting mechanic uh, because the charge-up attacks that I favored uh, regenerated health and mana. So, like, I would use them forever. Yeah. And as long as I wasn't fighting anything too big and too bad, uh, I made it through the game without dying a lot Mm -hmm. and without consuming a ton of potions. Basically only when things got kind of hairy.
2: Yeah, I mean... So, I, I, like I said, I would never played the Assassin before, but, like, the way you described it sounds super interesting to me. It was um, fun.
1: She's also, she's based on speed. One of her passives is boost speed. Like, oh, there's three okay. different passives that you can choose to boost. One boost speed, one boost resistances, and I forget what the third one okay. does because I hadn't unlocked yet. So, there's some versatility there. I was yeah. focused on speed and charge
2: attacks. And, like, the Barbarian, like, that's what I've always played. Like, the first character I played in the Diablo game. Um, so, you know, seeing as how I've played that in D1, D2, when it originally came out in D3, I avoided playing that this time, but barbarians are always super, super strong. Like, I mean, you know, you just get up there, like the whirlwind attack is always Is that in D2? That is in D3. I'm trying to remember if the whirlwind attack is in... Where you just if it was to in D2, I didn't around. use it. Okay. So maybe it's not in D2 then. There's um, leaping
1: attacks in D2. Okay. That sounds, so that like sounds the, interesting. So like the the Mage's Fortress where those there's all those crazy platforms. That's built for the Barbarian to leap from one just to the other. Just jump around
2: to it. Yeah. You, yeah. yeah. you mentioned that when we were playing through that, that it was so much easier to traverse that um, that way. Have you played as a lot of those classes back in the past with Diablo 2 that you remember, Pat? Yeah.
0: No, I have a terrible memory. I know I. Uh, I think I it did, did it as an Amazon with you when we when we powered through it.
1: I can't remember. I was a Paladin. I remember that I was buffing everything. I can't remember what you were. I'm Dan pretty was a sure I was an
0: Amazon in that one, and that's that's really all I remember. I don't think I played it a ton outside of that that power session with Tom. You oh, missed out, dude.
1: Uh, I played as an Amazon a bit this time. This was Gal Gadot. Uh, <laughs> I mostly used uh, spear weapons with a lot of dodge. I found that having a defensive skill was essential on every character build. I know that one of the most powerful builds in the game is the Amazon spec for ice. Okay. And I didn't do that. I've decided to go <laughs> on my own path. Um, it was fun. It was the first character that I spent some time with, and eventually I drifted off to experience the other characters.
2: So that's the interesting thing. You mentioned builds, right? Um, and that made me think of like the frigging sort of rabbit hole I went down one random day of, you know, because it's an online game and it has seasons and people play it like competitively um, like the websites that are dedicated to just builds. Best build for X after this patch. Best build for this after this patch. um, And it's just it's insane and it's like down to the all these levels, you put this much into vitality and this much into strength, and then you select all these abilities, and then you respec at this point, and then you buy this item, and if you don't find this item here, you go to this person it's so insane like how detailed like the build like lists are. You know, and I think that's you make a game competitive and then people are gonna go like balls to the wall for that because people will search for it and you know, you make money off of that. And so I don't know. I thought that was that was interesting to me, but I think the game's still fun, even if you don't use an optimal build. I don't think you have to like. I don't think you have to have well, on hardcore maybe, but like when you're just playing through the normal like missions themselves. Like we ran into a, like the boss at the end of Act Two was super hard.
1: Yeah, he was brutal.
2: But uh, other than that, like it's not like we ran into too many things that it's like oh my build's just not gonna work with this. Um, if we we're playing together, solo it's a little more tricky sometimes yeah i i think about min maxers sometimes
1: because that's really not how i choose to experience games like i don't need a walkthrough for the optimal build like i was having fun just fiddling with the skills and the skill trees on their own without knowing
2: the best way to spec out what about the tech track on tapestry only way to win i was gonna say see that's (laughs) that's not min maxing is it
1: oh it is max maxing (laughs) double maxing uh, there's two other characters that we, three other characters that we haven't really talked about. I played the Necromancer when I played with Burns. Summon a whole bunch of stuff. Skeletons, golems. Uh, basically, you need some corpses lying around so that you can raise your army. And then
2: it gives you a lot of survivability. And then just have Burns stand on the on the bridge holding them all back. And, and then Tom, to frustratingly, like 30 seconds later, uh, can you move? <laughs> all my stuff's behind you.
1: Like, I'm trying not to be that. Like, well, you are killing everything, but it's like, oh, I, I'm dying here. I, I really need my skeletons to draw some
2: aggro here. On the other side of things, there's me who's constantly confused and firing off spells when they don't need to because there's all these things that look like they're enemies <laughs> that you're just shooting. But it's like, oh, okay, everything's been dead for like for like 15 seconds now. My bad. Oh, Brunson, that's a good skeleton. Time to drink a mono potion. Um, <laughs> How was your experience with the sorcerer? So, like I said, I had never played the Sorcerer, Sorceress, a Magic user in Diablo, like, ever, I don't think. Um, And I actually had a ton of... I had a ton of fun with it. It's tricky because... And I didn't do a lot solo, and I could see that that would be a little bit more difficult just because of the fact that you don't have much defense. And you have some defensive abilities, but because we were playing together and you usually had your minions in the way... I did not spec that way, and so I went down the lightning tree and basically focused on that. I dabbled around a few different things because I think early on I got an item that gave me like plus two to warmth. Uh, it was yeah. Well, there's a couple of different ones that I had at different times, but there was some that gave me plus two to like the the <clears throat> main fire like firebolt, um, and then plus one to like the frost nova or whatever. And so i like went down a couple of those paths at first and i think i got all the level ones like upgraded once or twice but then it's just like i started i just really enjoyed like the lightning abilities
1: and they look cool
2: and they did a lot of damage it felt like and so and i ended up getting a wand that gave me like boosts to lightning damage so it's just like okay i'm just lightning all the time so it was like you know spam the lightning um um passive ability uh, or fill out the first level one until I unlocked lightning, then, you know, leveled up lightning a few times, then when I got chain lightning, I leveled up chain lightning a few times, you know? And I didn't have enough mana. I like I I I, I feel like like you were saying with Diablo three. And granted I didn't play as a sorcerer a sorcerer in Diablo three, but it's one of those things where I was drinking mana potions constantly. And it, it feels like you do have a lot more regen in D3 of a lot of that stuff because I don't remember having to like just mainline potions all the time um, like I had to with uh, D2 Resurrected.
1: Well, it's interesting that you were mainlining potions. I also played a little bit of a sorceress in uh, my offline character. Mm-hmm. Almost never drank potions. I put a chip skull or two in a hat and that regenerates ma- mana.
2: Yeah, and I was like... Like, and then I You didn't never, have any gemstones because I was up front. I had some. I had some. I probably... And I did socket a couple of things. The, the socketing is such a weird thing.
1: It was revolutionary and groundbreaking when it came out. It is, but you like... You asked me about the revelations of D2 earlier that I forgot about socketing and yeah. I forgot about set items.
2: Yeah, yeah. And set items are cool, but the issue with both those things... <laughs> And this kind of goes back to I think a discussion we had when we talked about Borderlands 3 is it's like in another screen or two I'm gonna find something that's possibly better probably better and I'm gonna socket this helmet and feel like I'm beholden to it for how long you know cuz it's like I, I remember I socketed that helmet and the helmet had like what 30 defense or whatever And then it's like, oh, okay, well, there's a helmet that has 60 defense that I actually can wear, but I don't want to get rid of my mana regen, you know? And so it's, it's, it's a really cool system, but because you can't unsocket things, it's just like, okay, I went down this path, and I do have a limited amount of gemstones, you know? And maybe if we would have sat down and, like, figured out, okay, how many gemstones do you have of all these things, and we, like, we'd spent, like some time doing that but i never really felt like i wanted to sit around and and you know play gem dealer for a while <laughs> like that's not what i was in diablo 2 <laughs> resurrected to do and d3 fix that in d3 when
1: you have a socketed item uh you have to sacrifice one of the things but you can either get the socket or the gem back out of the item that it's socketed in or you can get the item back and remove the gem from it and the whatever you choose to discard is lost forever. Yeah. like they should have made that quality of life improvement. Like, I'm sure D2 lifers would have lost their mind, but yeah. like, sometimes you just gotta make things better for people, even if they don't want it.
2: Or, like, like make right, it. Right, Pat?
0: <laughs> it's, it sounds like quality of life improvement is just a euphemism for making it easy. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Uh, so is it easy or is it just saving you from having to go around and needlessly grind to try to find the same thing that you already had? Because you're paying a
1: price with it. Like you don't get your helmet and your gems back. You have to choose one or the other.
0: Well, sure. But there are things like I, I never minded. Like like the idea of auto drinking potions is just absurd to me. Or like people complaining about uh, inventory you know like i i've never been bothered by inventory in diablo 1 or 2
1: well you should uh <laughs> you should play some d3 and then go
2: back to d2 I you'll have a very different feeling my friend i, I might yeah.
0: just be old man you know well so back did, in my day
2: did you ever play diablo 2 when you could have charms or did you not play the expansion yeah he expansion? played he played the, yeah, expansion. I played the expansion okay cuz that also that becomes that double edged sword where it's just like okay i guess now that i have a couple of charms which means i can pick up like five things to sell back or whatever if they're all single cool. column yeah and it's just like okay well i'm using a freaking town portal uh, scroll like every every like three minutes and going back and selling crap and then coming back and fighting and it's just like like when i was playing solo and granted i probably was playing like a little bit too deliberately and collecting too many things and going back and selling too many things but I probably spent a third of the game just traveling (laughs) back and forth to town to sell stuff and going back. And it's like
1: other games have fixed that torchlight notably fixed it. You get a pet, you load your pet up, send it off to town. You can keep adventuring. Like it's a quality
2: of life thing. Like I don't. So some may say that makes the game easier, (laughs) but others might say it just gives you frees up more time to actually do the things in the game that you want to do in the game instead of being, you know, either deciding that you're going to be a loot jockey or just not have as much gold, right? And maybe that's a decision that you revel in having, you know, but
0: <laughs> well, thinking about it, here's where I'm a hypocrite is because the the remastered sounds great to me. What I don't want is a new learning curve in a new game. Like that's that's almost the other side of that coin is the wasting time coin in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like I just this I could just dive right in and know what I'm doing and be effective. And like I've I've tried getting into new games, and it's just like I don't want to I don't want a tutorial, I don't want to I don't I don't even want to learn a new game. <laughs> and maybe that's why I love old games better than new games. And it, I've yeah, I think we identified that. it. Yeah, yeah. I don't <laughs> like. I just wanted to have fun and enjoy the game.
2: You, you sound like my former roommate Lance, who doesn't watch anything <laughs> new anymore. Hey, why don't you hold this controller and see? if... Hey, he holds it right at least. He does. He doesn't <laughs> hold it like Casey. <laughs> Uh, with the bear claws, um, back. <laughs> so he, my my friend my, my former Lance my friend Lance he uh, he doesn't watch anything new. He only watches the same like <laughs> rotation of ten or twelve shows over and over and over again because it's too much work to like get in the mindset to watch something new <laughs> and to meet new characters I can and learn new deals. Yeah. I was gonna say that, So there's there's some there's some like likeness there. Okay,
0: because I cause I, have, I wanted to get into uh, Project Zomboid. I don't know if you guys know anything about it.
2: Mm-mm. I've heard the name.
0: It's a it's a, a strategy game, zombie survival, very uh very strategy based, very skill based. is it that a muscle in your shoulder, the
2: zomboid? Yes. Yeah. Okay.
0: Gotta got work out your zomboid. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like the kind of game I would have loved back when I was hardcore. Just like a, a lengthy, virtually endless strategy game. But yeah, you can go through so many different tech trees and and find your own style of survival. And right, now, like I just don't want to learn how to build a. So now you're like, oh yeah, give me that plumber. They're like jumps. Yes, yeah. I just I don't want to learn how to you know build a water filtration system or like a gardening. You know. You are getting old, dude. Defense. Like those things.
2: Those are things you would have loved in the cabin days. <laughs> so here's an, another tangent, kind of on the same level, but I'm interested in finding out. So what do you think about the civilization games
0: uh it's been a while uh i can't remember the last one i played but i was really into it probably one (laughs) two or three (laughs) maybe but
2: because because we were talking to casey about that on uh game pass forever because that's what we're playing civilization six for uh next month and uh he said that there's just too much in civilization six because it's just like overwhelming the amount of things that he has to try to compute to find the, you know, only answer through. Um, you just watch; he's going to get his big brain wrapped around it. He's
1: going to put us to shame.
2: Oh, probably. Month. Are we going to yeah. try to play that multiplayer? Oh, heck yeah, we're going to try to play that. Multiplayer. <laughs> I've never played a Civ game multiplayer, but anyway, sorry. That was a that was a tangent. I apologize. Strengths and
1: weaknesses of Diablo two Resurrected Burns. What's the number one strength?
2: I it's like the gameplay and like skills are still like awesome yeah it's still a lot of fun yeah and like leveling up every time you leveled up you're excited like you know you get in some games nowadays when you level up and like nothing actually happens but like diablo 2 every time you level up you're like okay yeah i'm gonna go i <laughs> if you're me you don't go into strength as your sorcerer for the first like 15 levels and then you're like i can't wear any armor (laughs) that i pick up anymore so now it's like okay well i'm gonna put almost everything into strength and then try to do some of the other pieces
1: i've had the same formula for leveling up in d1 and d2 since like 1997 (laughs) it is one point in each of the attributes and then the extra point goes into your primary attribute oh that's not
2: optimal <laughs> it is for me. That's not optimal. It's
0: tom-tible. tom Default. Tom 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 maxing. Yeah. Tom maxing or min tomming.
2: <laughs> so uh, so then in that same mindset, how do you determine what skill you focus on then? Um if it's like a melee class character, strength is the extra one. If it's a no, caster, no, 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 no. I'm talking about the skills. Like, when you get the skill tree, like, do you just sort of try a few things, and then you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to focus on this then, or...
1: Yeah, I guess I rely on past experience for that. Like, um, I don't know. I don't have a great answer for that question, because I... Like, this time through, I really focused on characters that I hadn't played a lot in the past. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Whatever looks shiny and fast.
2: Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. That makes sense. Speed kills.
1: I think number one strength for this game, there's a lot of game for your money. Like, uh, you know, I played... Six different characters. I put probably five to fifteen hours in across those characters. I spent a lot of time with Diablo, and I barely scratched the surface. I
2: didn't beat it. I didn't beat the base game with any of those characters. Yep, and you never like finished it, and then went in on Hell Mode, and you know did the entire ladder all the way through to see how high you could get on the leaderboard. You didn't see a hardcore. Uh, Character through to completion.
1: Hardcore players are nuts.
2: Like, anyone that takes a hardcore (laughs) character, that was so stressful. And, like,
1: each level that I gained, it just made it more stressful. Because, like, one connectivity issue, boom, your character's gone forever. Like Harry Potter.
2: I think the thing with the hardcore characters is these are people that have played over and over and over. They've already beaten it as each class just without hardcore multiple times, probably. Yeah, I would... So that's that next, like, level of, I know exactly what I'm doing and then I just bowl through it as far as I can get.
1: It was a stupid idea for me to play this game on a timeline with a Mm -hmm. hardcore character first, but like I never played a hardcore character, so I wanted to get that experience, Mm -hmm. and I chose Barbarian because I thought it would be the easiest. Biggest weakness of D2 Resurrected Birds.
2: Pat, you want to say the biggest
1: weakness?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They uh, discriminate against people (laughs) without dedicated video cards. we We need to march for our rights in the streets. I would have loved to play this game. They just shows did not let
2: me Um, for me I think the greatest weakness really did come down to just how cumbersome like loot management gets Um, and Like, I, up until playing this game again, like, I fondly remembered the Tetris-style loot system and how fun that was to try to fit everything in there and throw things around.
1: Nothing beats the rough-and-tumble action of stopping from demon slaying to move some potions around so that you can get your charm and your double-sided axe into your inventory so you can take them both back to town and sell them.
2: Yeah, and so that's, and that, like, really wore on me, like... Now, having played, like, games that don't make you take this cumbersome level of... Because it's just like, let's think (laughs) about this realistically here. I'm out. I'm, like, caked in blood. I have two axes that I've been, like, just smashing the crap out of things with. And I'm just going to take a knee here. And then just sort of, okay, I'm going to put this potion in this corner of my pack. (laughs) I'm going to put this over in this side of my pack. Like, it just... It made sense for a time, but like things have evolved past that. And that just always is a frustration and an annoyance. And in a game where it's all about collecting loot and trying to upgrade your loot and find more loot or make money so you can buy better items. um, If that is something that's always an annoyance and slows you down from continuing to fight things to get that stuff like that's that just doesn't work very well anymore and so that's a weakness to me even though it's probably like the biggest strength to pat
0: you know what if they had a literal tetris mini game where if you like matched four axes they <laughs> disappeared and just changed into gold no they turn it no
2: what they do is you match the four axes and then they turn into a yellow name set yes yeah, <laughs>
0: that would be something tetris is a great game for a reason yeah incorporate <laughs> it in exactly
1: there are a couple of aspects of this game that I struggled with. Stamina, frustrating yeah. system. Like, yes. uh, you can only run for so long and then you have to walk slowly until your stamina mm-hmm. reloads.
2: Or, um, or keep another type of a frustrating, annoying potion in your pack to use. <laughs> and you're never going to put that on your freaking belt because your belt just needs to be the stuff that you need to use frantically by hitting of one of the number buttons and hopefully I hit the right one. Otherwise, whoops, I guess I, I, guess I have more health, but I'm out of mana still.
1: Sorry. The inventory Tetris <laughs> they should have fixed. Yeah. fixed. They should have fixed. They should have either had an option to like wedge everything in yeah. for you and like maybe rotate items, yeah. do something to give you more
2: flexibility. I think though, that's one of those things that's so that Diablo 2 is so iconic for that I think they had to do that and there wasn't another way to do something different. Like that's like the one thing if you ask me what's like emblematic of diablo 2 it was the inventory like i mean it's the
1: necromancer before
2: (laughs) before it was like you know reverently now it's like in my nightmares ptsd (laughs) um looking at my inventory but so i don't think they i don't i really don't think they could have changed that without getting serious serious blowback probably from staunch fans yeah sometimes people need
1: to know what's good for them (laughs) but the biggest issue that i had going back to d2 resurrected was the multiplayer scaling uh that's something that diablo 2 did back in the day that was revolutionary i don't know if they were the first game to do it but it was the first game i was aware of it they would scale as you add more players into your party the monsters would automatically get tougher so that you're still challenged you wouldn't just steamroll through everything when you added more players to the mix I mean, we played together for 12, 15 hours and I mentioned this earlier, but like we could go in completely opposite directions yeah. and just like try to clear out a map that much faster and have our own loot without like me hoarding every single item.
2: Yeah. I mean, we still died um, a decent, I, I died a decent amount anyway. I guess I, I mean, you I did died some. once
1: in act three. I didn't die at all the last time we played together. I died a few times the first night.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I always died quite a few times, but that's because I was a literal glass cannon um, and having like the henchmen that are there too, although <laughs> it was so, so easy to remember or to miss that they had died how many screens ago. And you're just like, oh, okay, I gotta go, gotta go dish out 3000 gold to get that person back. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I would, I would agree with that to an extent. I don't think it was super noticeable. There was still some difficulty and some, some times where it was like taxing my resources, uh, to get through things, um, so that wasn't like as big of a problem as like everything with the with the loot and you know just I think that that was something that like stuck with me more playing through this as as a more glaring weakness. Um, plus, just like and I know you would put this down on the on the list too, but like so much of the loot like doesn't matter. Like at, at a certain point do you really need to give me this like stupid ethereal gear? Like nobody wants it. Nobody needs it. Nobody <laughs> uses it. Like, just like take it out of the rotation already. Come on.
1: <laughs> I played all of act three yesterday with my assassin. I literally didn't change a piece of gear the entire act. Yeah. I got some decent loot for killing the boss at the end of act two. And I rode that all the way to the end of act three and act four. Yeah. It's a bummer.
2: Yeah. Well, it's like, I don't know, like the, I had the same main weapon for my sorceress for a long time until I bought a new one. Actually no, I think I bought one and then I found one that was better than the one I bought, oh, sure. which is always a great feeling, but that was that one I'm not I'm not mad about because that just happens, you know. Um but yeah, I I did not change main weapons that often and I also thought it was interesting when I was playing as the druid because uh, you have like the two different um, uh, weapon equip, so like you can change like your equipment that you have on your main hand and your your offhand. Basically, two tabs. Two tabs. Um, I use that all the time as the druid when I was doing some melee stuff. Because it was like, especially when you're bouncing back and forth between fighting demons and fighting undead, and the bludgeoning stuff does more damage to the undead, I was constantly like flipping back and forth to try to maximize my damage that way. And I, as a sorceress, I was trying to look for a way where it's like, oh, I'd have this other uh, weapon that would have these other abilities, but I never switched. Because it's just like, I was so focused on doing lightning stuff, so I always want my lightning buff up.
1: Yeah, I, I switched with the Amazon. I'd have a melee weapon and a ranged weapon equipped, but other than that, five other characters never used the weapon swapping.
2: Yeah. I'm glad it's there, though. Are
1: action RPGs still fun?
0: Yes. This one sounds fun. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Pat's having the most FOMO ever right now. Yeah, yeah,
0: I was frustrated when I couldn't get it installed, but hearing you two talk about it, I just wish I had made it work. I'm a little sad right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> burns will hold you burns ARPG's is still fun yeah yeah i think so yeah fun to kill monsters and level up right yeah have a tech tree
2: to pick from mm-hmm. yeah good stuff so here's a question um and this might be a little bit of a tangent i apologize and we'll make it fast but so like for instance you've played like yeez yeah. series of games those are action rpgs but it's not Anywhere like Diablo Correct. is right. Yeah. So. W-
1: also, I had no idea how you pronounce
2: that. I always thought it was wise. <laughs> no, ease. Um, is action RPG like if there's multiple things that are very different that are the same thing? Is that actually a good genre designation? Similar to like JRPG, and how like you're going to have something that's basically Final Fantasy 16. Um and then Persona, and then old school Final Fantasy are all JRPGs, but they're all very different games. I'd say FF16
1: has moved into the action RPG umbrella, so it's just like Diablo. Yes, exactly the <laughs> same, one hundred percent.
2: I don't know. It's just like something I was having a heated discussion on, on a Facebook group about the designation of like RPGs and just how nonsensical they all are because well so this was something that came up on the media tour for Final Fantasy 16, where, um, the producer for Final Fantasy 16, who's also the producer and director for Final Fantasy 14, uh, Naoki Yoshida was talking about how Japanese developers really don't like the term JRPG because when it first came out, it was actually used as like a derogatory term from most like mainstream media, like Western media to say it's those crappy RPGs, not the computer RPGs, <laughs> you know, like wizardry and, um, you know, might and magic and uh, stuff like that.
1: Well, that's so interesting that it was a derogatory term because I hold it in such reverence. Yes. Like JRPGs, like I love tactical RPGs are I my mean, jam, but JRPGs are like just a half step beneath them for me.
2: Yeah. And so then and then that, that got into that like discussion then. It's like, okay, well, if all these things are considered JRPGs, like what how is Japanese a term and if something is made so like if a studio in you know Madison Wisconsin made a game that was exactly like Final Fantasy could that not be a JRPG? I'd call it a JRPG (laughs) but it's not Japanese like not a single person on that studio is like Asian in any way shape or form and and so it's just like it just got like it got a heated argument because nerds get heated yeah, oh yeah. about like how stupid these like designations are, and I you know it makes sense. Like, what's the point? Like, computer RPG. I, the last computer RPG I played was Divinity on a on a console, so it's like I, I don't know that they're just such stupid designations. If anybody has good ideas for new <laughs> designations for how we could like sort out RPGs, it's something that I'm trying to figure out a good system that makes sense. So, well, give me your feedback. I
1: mean, I have a picture in my head of what a JRPG is. It's sprite-based. It's turn-based, generally.
2: So, Final Fantasy fifteen. Sprite-based, <laughs> turn-based, JRPG. Were there sprites in fifteen? No, that... there's not. And it's yeah. more action combat, but it's not action combat, because you're still just, like, giving commands. Um, yeah, that's an action RPG it's not though it so is. it's it's so not because you're not like actively attacking with each button press either um, you know and then you get to Persona 5 that doesn't have that's not sprite based at all true but the uh, Yakuza like a dragon
1: like a dragon I would consider a JRPG Persona 5 I'd consider a JRPG
2: mm-hmm. so I, I guess don't.
1: maybe sprite based is a an older, older term. term it's more the uh, action selection But Diablo 2 Resurrected. (laughs) Overall thoughts and takeaways on Diablo 2 Resurrected. Patrick?
0: (laughs) Sounds like a great time. Yeah. Uh, It
2: was was fun. Like, if you love D2, this is more D2. Yeah. Yeah, I I had fun. Like, if I was going to be wanting to put a lot more time into it, you know, and this is just me, this isn't like a recommendation to everybody, like, I would probably play it on console moving forward. But with Diablo 4 coming out, and uh, I recently reinstalled Diablo 3. Um, because I kind of had the itch to see like what the differences were between that and it. I didn't get to it before the podcast, so that was helpful. but um, you know, I would probably still rather play the more modern versions of Diablo than that, but it was it was a lot of fun when we played through together. Um, I I enjoyed all of our sessions, so you know if 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 you have the hankering for sort of going back to your roots, I would highly recommend it. It's only like thirty bucks too, so it's 40. not like or forty. Yeah, it's still only forty bucks. So yeah, no, a good price
1: point, and if you love D two, it is more D two, Diablo two resurrected.
0: Hey, so uh, guys, I went out uh, for my brother's birthday last night, and uh, my girlfriend drank more than Joey's Sorceress, <laughs> <laughs> drinking mana potions, and I. Uh, Ended up having a fireman's carry her back home. <laughs> and, uh, ever since then, my back's been a little like wonky. You guys have any uh, advice or tips for me? Certainly, Patrick.
1: Check out Premier Health. They have solutions for back pain, neck pain, car accident, fireman carry-related injuries, and more. We suggest seeing Dr. Camille in Golden Valley, Minnesota. Learn more at PremierHealthMN.com. That's PremierHealthMN.com. We're going to move on to Tom Awesome's top five.
0: It's time now for... The Final Countdown! Tom Awesome's Top 5 Countdown. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1.
1: Diablo revolutionized cooperative gaming with Battle.net and LAN parties back in the day. For our Top 5 today, I'm going to rank my top 5 co-op video game experiences number 5 a game that I literally only played because of this podcast in one of the first months of the Game Pass Forever segment Riverbond Riverbond this is a Minecraft art style type uh, hack and slash imagine Diablo with a Minecraft art style filtered over it uh, and no skill trees and you basically have Riverbond couch co-op uh, mow through a bunch of environments and
2: monsters and it was just super silly and fun so was this really a top five co-op gaming experience or were you just not able to think of any other co-op games that you've played locally no. great question this is legitimate <laughs> i had
1: a ball playing river bond with phoenix some of the weapons were really silly like you could get a big hand that you'd use to slap people it was just whimsical, it was wacky, it was fun, it was fast-paced. It did not You didn't have to play any inventory loot Tetris. Like There were a lot of just really positive things in Riverbond, and it was such a gem that flew under the radar. I wish it was still on uh, Game Pass. I would encourage people to play it at all turns. It was super fun.
2: So here's another way to go into that question, uh, and I won't belabor the <laughs> point too much, but if this wasn't just co-op games, but it was... Playing games as a group in the same room, but it could be competitive games. Would Riverbond be on the top five still? Do you think?
1: Yeah, I would race you up that ladder in Riverbond. I'm <laughs> I'm dying on the hill for number five. I'm just gonna <laughs> say,
2: like, you have like GoldenEye, uh, Towerfall, Ascension, even, which is a game that isn't talked about that much, but is a lot of fun to play. Like, well, it's not in cooperative. The same you're shooting each other. That's what. I, that's what I was saying. Like, if we expanded it out of it, just oh, being cooperative, sure. but it also included. Local competitive games? Would that still be on the list?
1: Yeah, uh, I can't see any local competitive games really pushing, like Towerfall Ascension, maybe. But I have crappy Twitch reflexes, and I uh, I'm very competitive, so I really hate losing things. I just okay. you no know, local <laughs> like competitive
2: things have really grabbed me i'll let you go through your list i have some things that i would throw in there that we'll discuss when we get down the line awesome well number five Riverbond.
1: number four the lego games i've played quite a few of the lego games i have beaten star wars indiana jones avengers pirates of the caribbean uh i think there's a couple of others too jurassic park they are Lord of the Rings didn't make it to the end of Lord of the Rings. We were playing on PlayStation 3 and uh, by the time the PlayStation 5 came out, I just couldn't stand the load screens anymore which is a bummer because lord of the rings was an awesome version also i think they don't have the rights anymore so you can't buy it anywhere anymore hooray for digital rights Mm -hmm. issues Uh, but the lego games are awesome because they're a great way to onboard new people there's a running theme through these first couple of games that i can play with phoenix phoenix was never a gamer before we got together but i was able to plop her into a lego game we smashed some bricks we progressed through the story we unlocked all the secrets we had a great time together and it's There's a lot to see and do within the Lego games. There's a lot of stuff to unlock. Uh, It can be a little tedious 100%ing them. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean, it's something you can sink a lot of time into with another person. Lego games are a fun co-op experience. Patrick, you're smiling.
0: (laughs) I don't want to give anything away. This is is an upcoming item on the list. Oh,
2: can't wait. Number three. Lego games are fun. I've never played them co-op with anybody, but I've played a lot of of a couple of them. They're fun. But yeah, I've never actually played a co-op.
1: Yeah, it can be a double-edged sword. Like having a person to help you like, hey, I need a boost to get up here. Like, let me jump on your head and work together to get up there. That can be helpful. <laughs> other times when you're both wanting to like grab something on the other ends of the screen, it can be frustrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite one is Pirates, which experimented with a shifting camera. So usually oh, with the split screen, like yep. one of you is usually on the left or the right or one's on top and one's on the bottom with Pirates. If your character was on the left side of the screen and the other character was on the right side of the screen, everything looked normal. But if I took Jack Sparrow and I crossed over to the right side of the screen, like the camera would start shifting and it was really disorienting at no first. Weird. Yeah, it was super weird. But Pirates was my favorite out of the uh, Lego experiences because it had the most unique hooks. Like there's one thing that only Jack Sparrow could do and there are a couple things that only Blackbeard could do
2: is... You just said butt pirates. <laughs> Continue.
0: Freudian slip.
1: Uh, well, at least they're not butt thieves. Yeah. <laughs> number five Riverbond number four the Lego games for top five co-op video game experiences number three I have my beloved Diablo franchise I've played Diablo 1 online with battle.net with varying degrees of happiness (laughs) and player interaction I played a lot of Diablo 2 both LAN and with battle.net one of my all-time favorite games Diablo 3 awesome couch experience one of the smoothest most polished experiences and easy enough that anyone can jump into Diablo at that point so it's another great one to onboard someone
2: so how does that work with the camera does it do split screen for both people for diablo for d3 d3 yeah. uh
1: one screen for both people okay so like it doesn't split at all like you have to be you have to be in proximity to each other at so all you, times. if you go to the
2: edge of the screen like the other person can't go off the screen kind of thing. okay correct okay. i was just curious how that worked yep which
1: you know can have some issues for the guy who likes to push the pace at all times <laughs> to keep things moving who's that uh that is that's phoenix. your magnanimous <laughs> host <laughs> yeah totally phoenix yeah she's she's the aggressor at all things <laughs> but number three the diablo series and like if i had to pick one for the best co-op experience i'm gonna go d3 Mm -hmm. i'm gonna go d3 a because it's so polished b it's so easy to bring new people on board and c i've had a tremendous time playing it with my wife diablo number two number two this game makes me smile ultima online Ultima Online, the number two cooperative experience. Ultima Online is a massively multiplayer online game that came out in the late 90s. Pat and I were playing this on dial-up. The first time mm-hmm. I ever saw this game, Pat was at a bank, and he's like, oh, some guy's trying to steal from me, so we ran away. I'm like, people can just, like, steal from you? <laughs> yeah. Diablo 2 gave you, or Ultima Online gave you license to be as bad as you wanted to be. You could kill other players. You could steal from other players. Uh, If you killed too many people, your character would turn red. And anytime you came on screen, everyone could see, could visually see that you were a murderer and that it was time to flee with all haste. Uh, And just so many hours spent in Ultima Online. And when free servers started to launch in the mid-2000s on the IPY server, I just had the best time playing Ultima Online with Patrick and some other friends.
0: <laughs> we, we could do a whole tangent, probably a whole show on this one, but uh, that's why I was smiling. I love this game so much. We've, we've had so many good memories. They, they should write, they should do sociology experiments <laughs> of when this game launched. I've watched YouTube interviews of uh, Richard Garriott. I think mm-hmm. his name one of yep, cr- yep. what the, the main creator of this. Describe, more British, writer, yeah, right? Britain or more or however his name is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, describe what he thought would happen and then what the players did. And just <laughs> like the, the... As a
1: dungeon master, like I can empathize uh, yeah, to a degree. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. Just pure evil. You know, I the, the first interaction I had with a human, uh, another human in this game, he, he tricked me into, into dying and looted everything I had. <laughs> it's... Yeah. And it was it was great in so many epic ways
2: so i never i never played ultima online um i got into like i beta tested everquest when it was launching um that was probably around the same time maybe a little bit after that it was a touch after i think eq came out in 1999
1: everquest was out when we were about 16 so 97 ish okay well you were 20 then
0: (laughs) right
2: but uh you, somebody should see if they could set up like a private server of it, and we could like do like an OIO, like server of Ultima Online, just so I can get the gist of what it feels like to be constantly griefed by Tom, because I don't get enough of that in real life.
1: Well, here's the thing about my persona in Ultima Online. Huh? Like, everyone there was so terrible and so evil. Like, I took it upon myself to try to defend the lesser man. Like, I tried to build myself into a PK. That's what they called the player killers, PKs, into a PK hunter. Uh, it didn't work out because I sucked at the game. <laughs> Uh, what we needed was Casey to uh, figure out everything with his big brain, and I think, Pat, you actually spent a lot of time building your skills to try to hunt player characters. What what kind of a toolbox did you need?
0: Yeah, well, this is on a server similar to what you're talking about, Joey. It was a, uh, a fan-made player-run server that tried to mimic uh, this era
1: Like the hardcore Uh, era. At one point around 2000, they changed the skill gain rate and made everything a lot faster so you can get into the end game. That's where I dropped off because that was bullcrap. I was grinding my stuff. You can't just arbitrarily speed up skill gain. So we were playing on a server that emulated the original rules of Ultima. Yeah,
0: and we were, like Tom said, we tried to be good guys in this, which would surprise a lot of people based on our board (laughs) gaming experience. But yeah, we we, uh, just hated the PKs. Yeah, and I got to a point where I played a lot and I was, I wouldn't say I was dominant, but I I got to a point where I could at least fight to a draw uh, one-on-one pretty much any build in that area. And so I would would stay around the noob areas, protecting (laughs) noobs. I would uh, have some hiding skills or cast invisibility and I would just sit there until the PKs came and I would engage and just fight them off long enough for all the noobs to escape. And to to a point where it was an effort and futility for the PKs, and that's which is almost a win, right? Because yeah. their their payment is is griefing other people, uh-huh. and they're not getting that really. They're not. not killing them. They're not looting them. They're they're coming in, getting nothing, and all the good guys escape.
2: So, how much does getting killed in that game or dying in that game set you back? You lose everything on your body. Like it all pops into a casket, and
1: literally anyone can walk up, double click it, gotcha. and like start
2: grabbing all of your stuff. And so then is it like you'd have to like grind up like you probably have a stash or a bank right where you can store some of your things and some of your money so you could if you had enough money saved up you could buy some of the stuff back like if you had something really good you probably couldn't right but well there weren't like traditional stores
1: like you couldn't go buy like a plus five sword of sling like you'd have to like find that stuff in a dungeon or buy it off of a player vendor somewhere yeah
0: you you generally had enough uh, store stored up of kind of the best crafted items you could get which were uh, I don't know what the equivalent would be a plus one or something. Uh-huh. item mean, you could you could get those for just from player vendors, but yeah, any magical stuff you only get, and the best of it was quite rare, and you only get that from fighting the most epic monsters. And then those areas were of course patrolled by PKs. Uh-huh, I'm sure. So yeah, if if you had good magic gear, that was just gone forever, and and you might get you know one vanquishing sword of uh, uh you know per month Mm -hmm. (laughs) that stuff was quite rare gotcha
1: so like you basically keep your good gear in the bank at all times and never actually wear it it's like oh (laughs) yeah yeah, look at this trophy that I have that I can never use (laughs) Ultima Online number two for best co-op video game experiences I have a whole bunch of honorable mentions uh, starting with Destiny Destiny burns i have destiny on the list this applies to both destiny and destiny 2 we both hated destiny uh, but i think it got a lot better after we stopped playing it I mean, destiny 2 was a really polished and fun experience i had a ball with d2 yeah d2. well
2: and, and really like the gameplay of it like shooting things and stuff like that i always enjoyed that about destiny it was just it was like the quality of life stuff of having to run through the same area multiple times to get to the one little spot for the quest and not having much of a way to automate that in the early game. Um, yeah. I mean, I had fun time playing it, but I was glad to be done with that and hopefully never go back to it ever again. You're missing out Burns. Destiny 2 is great. Overcooked 2
1: is an honorable mention. This is a very fun four-player game where you're working together to create orders. You have customers coming up to your kitchen or food station or restaurant or whatever and like everyone can be doing a different task like burns might be cutting up the carrots patrick might be doing the dishes i might be putting the things in the pot and like then delivering them to the station where people pick up their orders and it's just it can get so chaotic because like one board i think is on a pirate ship and so like Uh with the waves the whole kitchen is shifting so suddenly i can't go from the stove to the sink anymore because it's cut off from how the board shifted yeah
2: yeah, Overcooked 2 and for the original Overcooked would easily be on my top five and probably high up there. Granted, I haven't played it a ton co-op, I think twice with a few people.
1: Oh man, you got to play it with four players. I played with Brian and Scott and uh, I think Billy. Yeah. And it was so chaotic because Brian was actively trying to sabotage us uh-huh. <laughs> and just hold us back. And it was just, it was so wacky and fun i actually spit an entire mouthful of bourbon out onto a porch (laughs) i was so shocked by something that happened in our four players but
2: i am pretty sure i platinum the original overcooked solo oh that sounds like an effort in futility (laughs) it was actually fun but you you definitely play the game in a different way when you have multiple characters and you're jumping between them to try to do different things um, but it was it was an interesting experience. It was more so like I played it a couple times with other people, but then it's like, well, when's the next time I'm going to do that? I'm really having fun playing the game. so I'm going to keep playing it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Overcooked, Overcooked's phenomenal. I enjoy those games.
1: What I like about playing with four players, like there's such a premium on concise, effective communication, yes. which is like my bag. Uh, another honorable mention, Castle Crashers. This is up to a four-player hack and slash that came out early in the 360 generation. Uh, it's just a wacky adventure like you ride diarrhea deer and just all kinds of crazy things happen I had a great time playing castle crashers and various groups of people with various groups of people left for dead uh, four players zombie shooting action great time dragon's crown another brawler up to four players we played
2: left for dead once yeah you and me and Caitlin
0: yeah that was pretty fun
2: yeah, yeah. that was the first time I'd ever played left for dead <laughs> and that was like a year or two ago or three or four it's been a while now I don't know I never played it when it first came out. I never played any of them, because it was always on Xbox or computer, and I was mostly just playing games on PlayStation at the time.
1: Yeah, I played a fair amount of the first game with Duhal, actually. We beat the entire game. We played every mission together. He would do stuff on the Internet? No, I'd, I'd, I'd literally have to fly back to Minnesota from Maryland with the 360 <laughs> and bring it to his house and set it up.
2: You can go through the Faraday cage and... <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, and the last one I wanted to mention for honorable mention, which I can't believe I had this below Riverbond, but Sackboy. Sackboy's Big Adventure on PS5 is the newest iteration in like the Little Big Planet series of games, and it is gorgeous. It's super fun. Uh, it can be wacky and whimsical. It's got a baller soundtrack. It is just a great experience, and it was just free in PlayStation Plus.
2: It still is until the first Tuesday of May. So if you're hearing this. And it's not quite the first Tuesday in May yet. Download, Download that it. fast. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I haven't played
2: it yet, but I just downloaded it. Actually. It
1: is mm-hmm. so good. Uh, so recapping my list, Riverbond, number five, number four, Lego games, number three, the Diablo franchise, number two, Ultima Online. Anything you guys want to add out before I list my number one?
2: Overcooked was one of my big ones that I was going to throw into there. A lot of the games that I keep thinking of aren't cooperative, um, which seem to like... So you're thinking The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt? <laughs> no, no, no. No, they're they're like multiplayer games that I've typically played like as a group of people but they're competitive. So like the Jackbox series. Those are so much fun, the Jackbox Party Packs, so much fun, and they're kind of co-op, I guess, because you know, usually you're using other people's inputs to make whatever you're doing, but you are playing against each other. Um, but I have had so much fun playing the Jackbox, the various Jackbox games uh, with groups of people. Like, that's definitely would be in my top five if that qualified. And I've never played one, not a single one. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. I own, like, almost all of them on PlayStation. So at some point, uh, we could definitely do that as a group or whatever. Yeah, that'd be um, fun. Because, yeah, those games are a lot of fun. Um, but, yeah, yeah I. I Otherwise, a lot of the other things I keep thinking of are like downright like competitive, like GoldenEye. Playing GoldenEye with a group of people was fun. Halo, doing Halo Land parties was a lot of fun, but that's all like... I mean, I guess some of that's you're playing together against each other, but... Um, well, Halo has great
1: co-op. Like You can play through literally the entire franchise with oh, a yeah. buddy, which is awesome. Yeah. That would have been a good one to have on the list. So this. Halo would
2: be up there, because I played a lot of Halo, like... I think I played through all of Halo 1, 2... All of Halo 1 and 2 uh, with Lance. Um, and another game that we played a lot of and had a lot of fun with was Ghost Recon co-op on the Xbox. Yep, that
1: um, was an oversight. That would have definitely pushed Riverbond Oh off. yeah, Wildlands. <laughs> we played Wildlands
2: uh, co-op yeah, that was that was a ton of fun. Yeah. Way more fun than it should have been, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, you had me to stir the pot. I think that helped. <laughs> Who's running through the base? Oh, Tom, it was Leroy Jenkins <laughs> himself. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of great co-op shooters, especially like there's Borderlands. That franchise is oh, great yeah. for playing with a buddy. Or The Division was a lot of fun. We played that together. Oh yeah. But my, my number one, Patrick, anything you want to lob from the Wii or from PC?
0: <laughs> uh, mostly just Wii curious. Wii Sports? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys
1: tried Wii bowling?
2: <laughs> he plays that weekly down at the uh, nursing home down the street.
0: <laughs> Does the yoga lady count in Wii Fit? Does, I feel like that's <laughs> co-op. Is she your co-op? <laughs> now, I'm mostly curious. You played a ton of WoW. Like, What's the gap for you between WoW and Ultima Online?
1: I mean, I almost failed out of college for WoW my senior (laughs) year. Uh, I loved WoW. I loved WoW, but it was never much of a group experience for me. Like, it's a massively multiplayer online game. Uh, When I was playing WoW at my hardest core, I was by myself. Okay. So, like, it wasn't really a group experience. I did get into it for a bit with Eric and with his roommate at the time um, just after college. But, like, it it never really struck me as that cooperative experience. I was always adventuring on my own Mm -hmm. in WoW.
0: Sure.
2: Yeah, because it's like you have to be in like the guild, and be doing a lot of like the, a lot of the cooperative things. Like, granted, you have your dungeons that you work together with. and Final Fantasy is the same way. Final Fantasy fourteen. Um, it's not until you get to like the end end game things that you really get into like the hardcore competitive or cooperative stuff. Um, so you know, like the the mythic raids that they have in Wow now um, tend to be like what that would be, or you like your raid nights. Um, and then for um, Final Fantasy, it would be like the Savage or Ultimate raids. Um, okay. Tend to be what that is. Otherwise, you can make it through a lot of the games without really grouping up much at all, except for like randomly grouping with people in dungeons or something like that.
1: Yeah, and I didn't even think of FF14 at all. Again, another MMO uh, that I played a lot of, but yeah. I think of that as like a single player experience where I can also run a yep. dungeon with burns. <laughs> yeah,
2: because that's that—that's the weird thing, right? And Final Fantasy's actually been doing a lot of changes so that you can actually play through the majority of the main scenario quest stuff um, solo. So like you can have now NPCs with you in dungeons. Um, it's all of the story quest dungeons um, up through Stormblood which is the second expansion now and eventually they're working on doing the patches for that, so basically, you'd be able to play through from zero to ninety, only having to group up with people for like your eight man, uh, eight man raids. Um, otherwise, everything else you could do um, with the duty support. Yeah, duty, duty, <laughs> duty.
1: That sounds wonderful. Like I don't like strangers on the internet. Mm-hmm. Like I love co op games, but I do not mix well with people that maybe don't uh, take the good and the bad with the Tom. Mm-hmm. Like they just see the aggressive push the pace guy, and uh, oh yeah. I don't like him. Well, I don't like you either. Yeah. And then I don't heal them, and then everyone's salty, and yeah, it's just a whole thing. Or you keep turning off your tank stance. (laughs) There was that one time. Yeah, yeah, that was a noob experience in Mm -hmm. FF14. That was embarrassing. Mm -hmm. I thought that I had to hit my tank stance to activate it, not that it was active all the time. Yep. Anyways, we're not talking about FF14. (laughs) We're talking about my top five co-op video game experiences. And number one, Divinity, Original, Sin. This is a hardcore... Uh, role playing game? Computer RPG. <laughs> yeah, CRPG, computer yeah, art, yeah, CRPG yeah, yeah. Uh, that was ported to consoles and it's got great co op. Burns and I have played at least 20 hours of the yeah. original game together in this like really hardcore story driven experience uh, with tactical battles. It like checks all the boxes for things that I love and uh, I can play it with my buddy. So, Divinely Original Sin. I tried playing this game with Phoenix. It was a little intense for her. Yeah. Like, uh, there's a lot going on to it, but playing with being able to play with someone who also shares the same love for rpgs that i have mm-hmm. like divinity is a great great co-op experience
2: yeah and i think like the turn-based aspect of, with it is is unique and helps to like, like you're able to strategize a lot more than like in diablo where it's just like okay click, I'm, just click, gonna, click, I'm gonna click, nuke, click. nuke nuke and i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna spawn dudes you know it's like Having a little bit more of like a conversation about strategy, I think, adds to the co-op nature of the game. Yeah, like, Burns,
1: can you throw that barrel of oil at those dudes so I can light them on fire? <laughs> or, Burns, can you please
2: put down that huge box? That you, you love could... that freaking box, dude! They were <laughs> carrying it everywhere! <laughs> it was going to be important for something at some point. And was it? No, it wasn't. It's now it's just still sitting in the middle of that town. <laughs> we should go back
1: to divinity <laughs> at some point good game so that is tom awesome's top five co-op video game experiences what we get wrong what did i get wrong tweet your thoughts to at tom sidlogic oio that's at tom sidlogic oio for our last segment today, we are going to break down Sanctum. Released in 2019, Sanctum is a board game that epitomizes the hack and slash action of Diablo. I am managing to read while Bernsey types in live action <laughs> on our show notes. A very funny joke. Up to four players control unique <laughs> characters, battling demons, gaining loot, and leveling up as they progress towards an inevitable clash with the demon lord. Designed by Philip Niduk and Thomas Ulir.
0: Nailed it. Yeah,
1: (laughs) pause for validation. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, This game has a board game geek reading of 7.1. Those two designers are not very experienced. Nidik has also developed Adrenaline and Goblins, Inc. And Uller has designed First Snow, Mm -hmm. Laborigines, Spring on a Stick, and Under Falling Skies. It's an interesting list of games. Mm -hmm. Uh, The core gameplay loop of Sanctum is you choose a character, either a fighter, a rogue, a ranger, or a dancer. You take one of three actions on your turn. You move, rest, or fight. If you take a move action, you move down a linear path to the demon lord. The boards that you move down vary based on your player count. So if you have two, three, or four players, you're gonna have slightly different experiences. When you move, you add demons to the board. Then you choose one of the sets of demons that are on the board to add to your battle area. There are three different colors that tie to skills on your player mat, and each one of the demons on the board has a gear icon, whether weapon, armor, or accessory, and when you fight and defeat that demon, you flip it over and that piece of gear goes into your inventory.
2: Yeah, and with the movement, if you're familiar with the classic game Tokaido... Timeless classic. Timeless classic game Tokaido. This is basically battle Tokaido, is how the movement works.
0: Yeah, Everything Tokaido needed. <laughs> Battles, dice, loot.
1: And less food. When you choose a fight action, which you is at more the... You hot springs,
0: though.
1: I could use some more hot springs. If you choose a fight action, which is the core of the action, you battle all of the demons that are on your player mat. So you can move as many times as you want, piling up dudes to fight, but then you have to fight them all at once. You roll a pool of dice... And you place dice on as hit markers on the different demons. So one demon, you might need a single five to defeat. A level two demon, you might need a one and a three to defeat. And whatever you roll, that's your tools for defeating these demons
2: yep and at the start of the game you start with only two dice and then as the game progresses you unlock more dice um, at different at different points and then each character class has a extra silver die or a die with silver pips on it that you can unlock that usually is tied to a special ability um, that's unique to each character that allows you to use that extra die so you could get up to six dice um which makes you fighting a large amount of things a little bit easier as you get deeper into the game.
1: At the start of the game, you're fighting level one demons which take a single die to defeat. Uh, You get up to level three demons which require three die to defeat. So as you pile up those demons, it's really important to have a bigger pool of dice. Uh, You also have a rage token which you can flip to change one die to any number that you need. It's sort of a last resort if you can't manipulate your dice in any other way. You also have pools of stamina and focus tokens which you use to activate your gear. When you start the game, you have some gear printed on your player mat, and then as you're fighting these different demons, you can equip that gear and then use your stamina and focus to activate the abilities on that gear. Yeah,
2: and those abilities for attacking would usually modify your die so it'll be a minus one or a plus or minus two Um, or sometimes some of the abilities will be to flip it to a specific die value so you can flip anything to a four Um, and each of those is going to take one of your stamina usually and then are one of your focus excuse me and then um, for defending that's going to give you however many shields however much damage you block you would put down and cover up those spots with your stamina, usually sometimes also with your focus to be able to do those as well. So that's kind of how all of those gear systems, the gear system sort of rotates into um, building your pool of stamina and focus, and then how that like works within the fight. So it's, it's all these like systems that kind of, loop in together and when you kill the monsters they turn into gear that you can equip that make you do more things it does a really good job of like encapsulating that core action
1: rpg system where you're fighting things getting more experience and getting better yep so when you fight you first you deal damage to all the demons anything that survives is going to do damage back to you so you have to use your resources to block that damage Um, And then with demons that you defeated, you get to move gems up your player card. So you start with a skill mat that has nine different skills on it, covered by a myriad of different gems, red, blue, green, and white. And if you defeat, say, a level one green demon, you get to move one green gem somewhere up. And if you uncover one of your skills, then you get to use that skill for the
2: rest of the game. Yeah, and sometimes the skills are just giving you more to add to either your stamina or your focus pool. Otherwise, there's also six... Unique, usually six unique abilities that each of the character classes has that are going to be specific to your class that allow you to do a special ability of some sort or equip something um, that's going to give you sort of an advantage that's unique to your, your character class. So
1: three basic actions you can do on your turn. You can move and add demons to your player mat you can fight to deal with those demons on your demon mat and after you've fought some demons you can rest which allows you to refresh all of your stamina and focus tokens from your gear back up to their pool so you can use them again that's also when you equip the gear that you've got for fighting and defeating demons so you could add new weapons you can add new headpieces chest armor uh, magical accessories it's uh, basically how you spend your time to actually improve your character
2: and like the interesting aspect of that too is as you're like unlocking skills and leveling up and you're moving those gems up, once you get those gems to the top, those colored gems are what you need to use to actually equip the items. And so that's another sort of aspect of the game that you're thinking of, is what types of gems do I need to have available to equip the types of things I'm trying to kill?
1: So if you somehow end up with a level three green item, but you don't have the three green gems or a combination of green and white gems to equip it, it's basically wasted. You're yep. just going to end up throwing it into the garbage at the end of the game.
2: Yeah, unless you can find a way to push some of those up after a while. And so that's one of the... That's like the, the main strategy aspect of the game is trying to get your gems up to where you need them so you can equip things. At the same time, unlocking the skills that you want to use that are going to make the game as effective as possible for the way that you're trying to play it. Um, and also to equip the gear that you're getting that also sort of plays into that. So it's like all of the synergies of all of that trying to balance it out. And it sounds complicated when describing it, but I think in playing it, once you get an idea, like the first game of any board game you play, you're like, oh, okay, I should have done this different. I should have done this different. But I I feel like as you play it, it's, it's not as like heavy or deep as it sounds, trying to describe the systems.
1: And what makes it so hard to describe all the systems is there's a lot of systems at play here, and yep. they all flow in together, and uh, everything you can do is available from the start. So, mm-hmm. like, it's, you know, Pat, I just explained this game to you for the first time a couple of weeks ago. Do you remember what that uh, original onboarding was like?
0: Um, pretty easy. I think halfway through the first game, I felt like I had a pretty good grasp of what was going on.
1: Yeah, it's a hard thing to onboard people, but once you get into the flow, and like you can't directly compete with each other, so there's a lot of like helping other players along.
2: Yeah, the only way you can affect somebody else is if you take the monsters into your battle board that they wanted to fight.
1: But if you you're know. taking them, like it's a tightly balanced game, you probably needed those gems just as much as the other players. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So throughout the game, you're going to move, fight, and rest, and then eventually you have a final confrontation with the demon lord, which is an intense gauntlet. Anyone who survives the fight with the demon lord whoever has the most health wins
2: and that's i remember the first time playing against <laughs> the demon lord it was like because it is i mean it's like a boss compared to you were just fighting the mobs beforehand and it's like it is a set of like nine cards and you know, if you're not taking too many of those cards down, yeah, the boss is going to deal 10 damage to you. Hopefully you can block some of it, or all of it, you know? And so it's it's daunting to start, like, climbing through and whittling away at the at the boss, but, like, when you look at it, like, as you're moving from left to right, that's the health bar on the screen shrinking. Yep. So it, it truly is a, probably as good of a rep- representation of, like, Fighting a boss in Diablo or a game like that that I think you could really come up with on well, a tabletop.
1: I think the entire game is as accurate a take as you can have on Diablo mm-hmm. or a similar hack and slash style game. You kill demons, you gather loot, and you level up. Check, it's almost check, like check. it was brilliant to include <laughs> it in the
2: conversation with this with this video game.
1: Yeah, I'm a masterful planner, my friend. <laughs> Patrick, you didn't get to discuss very much with Diablo 2 resurrecting. What Aspects of Sanctum stand out to you.
0: Um, you know, <laughs> uh, this won't surprise you guys. Um, I I love dice chucking. I uh, you already mentioned the kind of um, you know you can't interact with people a lot, which is also one of my favorite things. Uh, the, the, is
1: interacting or not interacting with other people?
0: Uh, interacting is one of my favorite things with, with people in board games, and there's not a ton of interaction in this. Uh, the things that stand out, like you mentioned, it's it's a very good thematic representation of Diablo, right? Especially just uh, hacking through monsters, uh, grabbing up loot, selling seventy five percent of it yep. <laughs> for potions, yeah. And then chugging those potions in that final boss. Um, very unique, different character abilities that you can uh, not quite a tech tree, but but close to a tech mm-hmm. tree, and you can almost customize uh the way you want it because like uh someone mentioned the uh the the potion route for the rogue which i just never really dabbled into at all and i I thought that was fun that i could also be successful going a completely different path
1: well you can certainly prioritize the skills that you think are going to make the biggest impact to you i think that's where it stands out because
2: i don't think we've ever had a game i don't think there's enough to be able to actually unlock all of the skills, right?
0: Doesn't seem like
2: it. Doesn't seem like it. It is a very tight balance. Yeah.
1: Like I never have as many gems as I want at the end of the game. Yeah.
2: Cause I mean, if you're unlocking like all of the actual like unique abilities, that means you're probably not getting any of the extra focus or stamina. And so like, that's a choice or like a build that you're making. And yeah, like you alluded to, so you could go the route where, basically you can have an extra potion as the rogue um it's basically an an extra item slot so you can have five potions when anybody else can only have four and then there's an ability that the rogue has that they can unlock that allows them to basically turn the potions into molotov cocktails and throw it at the boss to do damage to them Um, which i used um in one of our games and it actually worked out like extremely well um we tied in that game but technically we're giving you the win because i misread (laughs) a rule about the barbarian yes the barbarian and the frenzy rule which has caused consternation for every game until we finally figured out what the rule meant (laughs) yeah it came down to the definition
1: of a single word yep activate activate. Uh, I really like the leveling system in this game. If you kill a level one red demon you move one gem up. If you kill a level two blue demon you move two blue gems. Like I felt like that gave me a lot of flexibility in choosing the demons that I wanted to bring in to fight in my space. Uh, so balancing that with the types of gear that they had on them to make sure that I had two different weapons and I had one of each thing filling the space. I just I really like the progression system and how the characters grew in strength from beginning through that final confrontation. I just... Every single game I've played, which is now up to about 10, I've always wanted more gems at the end. I just can't mm-hmm. get enough things unlocked.
2: Yeah, it's definitely a scarce resource. Mm. Um, and you can, I mean, the last game we played, I screwed myself over. I didn't have the enough of the right colored gems to really have the optimal equipment that I owned equipped at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. um you know and some of that comes down to strategy it's like okay well i want to get this type of item so i'm going to attack this guy or i want to unlock certain skills so i'm going to prioritize a certain color because that's where those skills are on my tree um but if you go way too far down one of those paths that means you're neglecting something else which is going to have a negative because each of the colors of of uh gear tends to have a different sort of bent to it red tends to be more defensive um and then green seems to be more versatile and allows you to use either your focus or your stamina on them whereas the blues tends to be a lot more focused on like activating lots of skills and and manipulating your dice Mm -hmm. a lot i had one game where i thought I'd outsmart
1: the system i was playing as the ranger and i'm like i'm just not gonna do green not going to touch a green skill the entire <laughs> game. So I focused on red and blue, and I got a lot of red and blue gems. But when uh, treasure chests would come up and we got to choose free loot, I got a couple of high-level green items. Mm-hmm. Didn't have any green gems. Couldn't equip them. And mm-hmm. so, like, all my white gems went to equipping green gear, and I didn't, again, I didn't have enough gems. So even, like, trying to purposefully exclude one of the colors still didn't give me enough tools to really min-max at the end of the game. hmm Patrick, which character did you prefer? You played two out of the four characters You played as the outlaw and as the ranger Which of those two characters really stood out with you? And what was their shtick?
0: Uh, I liked them both um, I preferred the the outlaw just a little bit more I'd say um, I'm not sure why, it could have just been because I played that second And it was probably a little bit better mm. Playing the outlaw at that moment But I, uh, I felt like I could uh, more quickly identify What strategies I wanted to use I loved the uh, that rage flipping ability I forget what it was called. It's
1: called Outnumbered, and any time you have more uh, more enemies than you can kill, like if you have six dice that you're fighting and you only have a pool of five, you get to flip your Rage Token over for free, which is a huge benefit.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, your Rage Token lets you change a die to any, any face value. So it's essentially a free hit every battle if you uh, you know stack your minions yeah. right. So that you always reactivate that
2: just a little bit in over your head, right? That's where you thrive. Yeah, yeah,
0: just a little bit. Yeah, I just I love that ability, and uh, I love kind of getting as many gems as I as I could.
1: (laughs) Did you ever feel like you had enough gems at the end of the game?
0: Uh, Not quite, but you know I would have loved more, obviously. But I don't feel like I was lacking. I felt
1: I was lacking every (laughs) game. Brinzy, you played every character, each of the four characters. Which one stood out to you, and what was their spiel?
2: Yeah, I. So I, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed the the rogue. Also, I, I think that was the one that I ended up having the most fun with, toying around with some of the abilities. Um, the first one that I played, and then the last one I played was the dancer, and I think the dancer is also pretty interesting. So the dancer is going to be a lot like your prototypical like monk in um, like D and D or something like that. So you're using martial arts to do attacks, um, and so the interesting, like, one of the interesting skills that you have is that um, if you unlock one of your skills, you can actually put two... You can activate um, blue spots that take your focus tokens up to two times. Which is super helpful. (laughs) Which is super helpful because you know, in order to get any of those focus or stamina uh, discs off of the equipment that you're using, you need to use a potion to get rid of that. You can only have four potions. So very finite amount of of space that you have for those things. Um, This allowed you to basically stack things on top. But then also doubling that with its defensive ability that it had allowed you to basically use a focus to get one defense. But then again, you could stack two things off of there. The neat thing about that defensive ability was that then you could take and spend that focus as if it was in your focus reserve. Uh, And so basically you would take your defense there, spend those two right away so that you could take two more defense on that same spot. And so it ended up being... A super super versatile character where as long as you had the right types of 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 weapons out there you always were able to manipulate the dice to kind of be whatever you wanted to the point where i until the end of the game i didn't really use my rage token at all because i had tricks in order to try to uh manipulate the dice however i needed to most of the time
1: yeah um The dancer was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that character. I
2: played as the fighter
1: for the first time last night, and I had a lot of fun with it, but it turns out I was misplaying the raid, so I got a lot more free, cheap hits than I should have throughout the game. Uh, One of the things that makes the fighter or the barbarian stand out is that they get two rage tokens where every other character has one. So in a pinch, you could flip both of those and change two of your die to be hits. Mm -hmm. Uh, It takes a little bit of time to get them back, but they also have an ability where if you start a fight and you had already marked off one of the hits on a demon from a previous fight, you automatically get your rage back for free mm-hmm. then. So I was able to manipulate that a bit to get more rage as well. So I enjoyed the fighter, but today I played with probably my favorite character, the ranger. Mm-hmm. The ranger's stick is that they get to equip low level gear for free if you unlock the right skill, and then they you can use their gems to activate the abilities on the different gear. So it gives you a lot of flexibility at the cost of higher level gear. I've We played two games today. I threw away at least three level three items in both of those games, which is extremely painful for the loot monster to do. Yeah. Uh, But I... I don't know what it is about the Ranger. And, like, using the worst gear, I like... I guess I like having a big toolbox. I like having flexibility to tackle things in different ways. Because it gives you a lot of outs. Like, if you have a crappy roll, it's like, well, I can do this, this, and this. It's like, oh, I have a lot of damage coming at me. They have a skill that allows you to use green gems to mitigate damage. It's like, oh, all right. I'll just keep a big pool of those up there. And uh, for me, the Ranger was the standout character.
2: So, I think what's also interesting... So, like, for the different characters, different weapons... Are typically going to be more useful for certain types of characters than others so for instance with the Ranger crossbows because the crossbows end up having three abilities that you can activate on them and those allow you to manipulate the dice quite a bit for level one cards so having those as level like having like two of the crossbows at level one with the with the Ranger would be super powerful because you're able to manipulate a lot of things Um, with the barbarian who tends to have a lot more stamina than focus you want to focus probably on red weapons with the with the barbarian because you're able to um pump out so much more of that stamina with that character and so there's some of those things then that are like natural fits which is similar to like if you were playing Diablo or any of those games where, yeah, a barbarian would prefer to have an axe, a ranger is going to use prefer to have a ranged weapon of some sort. Um, and so it, it ties into that um, pretty, pretty niftily a- as well. Um, but you still have the flexibility to kind of pick whatever you would want, and you probably could find ways to make it work. Um, so that's where maybe some of the replayability would come in of trying to spec things a different way, as long as, like... You know you don't get your mind on the min max i know this works <laughs> and i'm just going to try to make this as best as possible <laughs> and it's like okay i'm going to play as um i'm going to play as the fighter this time but i'm going to try to do these different things and see if i can make it work right um so so yeah i think there's some replayability there the fact that the scope of the game doesn't change so much as you go through it maybe limits that replayability a little bit Um, but like I've played it five or six times in the last week or so, and I've still enjoyed playing it each time that I've played it. And so, um, I mean, I guess I don't know that I would play it again another two times tonight after we record. (laughs) We'll Um, we'll see my friend. But I would, I would be up for playing it again, probably sometime in the future Mm -hmm. because it's, you know, it's been, it's been fun to play. And it, it's pretty quick once you know what you're doing.
1: Yeah. yeah, I thought that was a real strength of the game. We burned through two games today. Uh, Pat's played twice before. Burns has played three or four times prior to today. We got through our first game in an hour and a half, our second game in an hour and about ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not bad. Like We could play another three-player board game and be there for hours for each playthrough. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah! Like when we played Horizon for the show, like oh. that was an all-day affair for <laughs> yes. a, yeah. a four-player game. Yes, it was. Patrick, what do you think the number one strength of Sanctum is as a board game?
0: <sighs> number one, man, I don't know if I can pick one. Um, uh, like the the time to strategy ratio is good, like you mentioned. Um, I will say for me, this this probably skews a bit Euro on the Euro to Ameritrash scale, but it adds. Randomness, which I think is why I probably enjoy this a lot more. Um, just, just the dice and even the the equipment you get, the uh, the effects that the the demon lord throws out at you. Like, I I, I love randomness myself, and that's going to be a double edged sword for some people. Mm-hmm. But I think this is it. This is enough euro with that randomness to to make at least me really enjoy it.
2: Well, and and I think that the cool thing about like the ran, the randomness in this game is that you could. You could, like, set up your skills to be more dependent upon randomness mm-hmm. or less dependent on randomness, and different characters are maybe going to be a little bit more focused that way, too. Um, so that's also, like, a strength of how you could rely on certain things um, sure. either more or less that way, too. But, yeah, I guess I wasn't even thinking of it from that, but yeah, because of a lot of the gameplay elements of it are more, like, Euro, like, resource management and having things... You know, yeah. I don't know, I wasn't even thinking about that. But yeah.
0: I'm curious what a hardcore euro person would, well, you guys maybe are. <laughs> are you would you consider yourselves I mean, hardcore no, euro players? Not no.
1: hardcore. Um, i played Catan. I don't know
2: precisely what makes you a euro game. I love
0: euro games.
2: I love Warriors <laughs> So, like a, a euro game would be um games where you're you're really it's it's a lot about like resource management or like or like worker placement kind of is like an element of Euro mm-hmm. games so too. like Scythe would be considered a Euro game? um I mean Scythe is a little bit it's kind of a Euro game it's like area control is kind of the main element of Scythe um <laughs> I thought it was mostly <laughs> this, resource this is game.
0: like the RPG discussion <laughs> yeah, over yeah. Again. like what they all blend in a little bit yeah, but yeah it, uh... like
2: <laughs> you're like prototypical I'm trying to think of like an actual oh Lords of Waterdeep would be like a prototypical Euro game.
0: Yeah, I'm a Euro player. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, so. It's been yeah. determined. Yeah, Euro games <laughs> for the win. But like, there's certainly randomness. Obviously, dice. You know, a, a bad roll could just screw you over at, at any uh, battle with monsters in here. And then even just you, what equipment you get. You know, maybe it's good. Maybe it's worthless for what you've got already. And that I think uh, I like it myself. Mm-hmm. You know, people who hate randomness <clears throat> may not.
2: Yeah, cuz even if you're even if you think you know what types of weapon a certain colored monster of a skill level is going to drop, you don't know for sure if it's the one or two you want or or mm. if it's the bardiche. <laughs> 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 Which yeah, until I bardiche was bardiche my balls. Until I was the dancer, I was always frustrated to get that one because it's so limiting cuz it only has minuses on it. And it's so limiting as to how you can manipulate your dice because you roll low and then you can't really use it. Um, But with the Dancer's ability, one of the other Dancer's abilities is you could treat any plus or minus as the opposite. So basically it makes any of those that just have either a plus or a minus, both a plus and a minus. So that gives you a lot of flexibility, so that ended up being a really good weapon for that character.
1: I like dice placement games a lot. Like I think rolling dice and placing (laughs) dice is a really fun mechanic. And I love games where you could build dice pool. I guess maybe one thing I would hope for from this game is more flexibility in how you could build your dice pool. Like if there were more ways to unlock more dice, or like we all had six dice at the end of the game in all of our mm-hmm. playthroughs, and it's like, well, you're going to be kind of hosed if you don't have that final die for the final showdown. So I guess maybe that's one thing that I would desire from uh, any future efforts with this style of game is just a little bit more variability in how big your dice pool could be.
0: I did only have five for both games.
1: Oh, how many games did you win, Patrick?
0: (laughs) Neither. Oh, all right. Checks out. But I I didn't get killed. And (laughs) I think I was uh, two health, two health behind. I mean, we had a
2: a couple of games that we were playing that one night where neither of us unlocked our skill that gave us our silver die card. So
1: yeah, we split those games too, but two
2: player games, two player Uh, games, a little bit different, but yeah.
1: Yeah. Burnsy, what, uh, what other strengths stand out in Sanctum?
2: hmm i mean we've talked we've talked about a lot of the like Mm -hmm. i feel like in that in pat's strength we talked about like three different things (laughs) yeah (laughs) sorry um but no that's fine that's fine because i was jumping in there throwing lots of stuff out there too but i I mean i really do think like the way that it captures the theme um i think is is a strength right and granted me you know maybe that's a little um cliche since you know this is the diablo podcast we're talking about it on but it, it really does kind of capture the essence of playing that game um and represents it as well as you probably can on a in, in a board game. And so I think that's that's also a real cool strength because a lot of there's some games that can be really good that even if it has like we've talked about wingspan even if it has a theme that doesn't really grab you, that freaking birds, yep, <laughs> even if it has a theme that doesn't really grab you, it can still like be something that you enjoy. Um I don't know what else you could have really themed it because it's very specifically themed towards this. But, you know, the theme here definitely attracts you to wanting to play it and wanting to play as the different characters and play it multiple times, you know, similar to, you know, how when people get roped into Diablo. Like, yeah. oh, I'm going to play a hardcore. <laughs> like, how would we play a hardcore character? Like, that's something we could try to think about. Um, you know, you start, like, lower health, and if you take any damage, then you can't regain – or you can't uh, – you have to. If you take damage, you have to um, put the black disc in one of your defensive <laughs> abilities or something like that. And so you have to throw away that armor and get new armor in order to get it back or something.
1: There are different difficulty levels of this game. We didn't monkey with it at all. Oh, uh, but it all
2: ties into that final showdown with the demon
1: lord. And it's been a while since I revisited that section of the rule book.
2: Oh, so it's really just on that final battle that doesn't yep. change any of the difficulty earlier on. Correct. Interesting. Okay.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I had a ball with this game. I think that the leveling and the gear systems are both really well-tuned and just mm-hmm. super-duper fun. Patrick, was there any area that you struggled with this game? Are there any glaring weaknesses of Sanctum? Uh,
0: one, um, I learned after dying the first game I played, you, you just need hardcore defense for that Demon Lord battle. And Every game after that I made sure I had a, uh, a to my knowledge five a five defensive yeah. uh, Item is the best you can get. Six. I just, is it six? Okay.
2: There's one that has six, huh? Yeah
1: I had it in the game with the Ranger. Uh, okay.
0: Yeah I make sure you get uh, a one stacked defensive item and yeah, I just recharge uh, whatever it needs with potions and that way you you can block at least 15 damage and I I don't know if there's another way to approach the end of battle. Maybe there is, but I feel like you, you are going to take so much damage, you, you have to be able to stop it somehow.
2: Yeah. So that last game that we played as the dancer, um, I did not have. I think the highest I could block with one ability was two, defense. Okay. And so, you know, because, because the limitation that the, the dancer has is they don't have a lot of stamina. And so I only had two stamina through the whole game. Um, And so I had to do... like The defensive ability that I could stack two of my focuses on and then spend those from there was clutch. But then using potions in the right way to clear off... I I, I did have one, I think, that blocked three, maybe. Um, And so trying to clear off those things after I filled it so I could redo it um, was key. And then, yeah, just trying to be as particular as possible with my focuses and where I put those and how I use them, um, you know, ended up, you know, I didn't win, but I I finished, I defeated the demon Lord. I only lost four health total through the game. And one of which was one that I took as like a weird chump thing early in the game, because I just fought an odd number of dice to what I was
1: rolling. But so, given that response are you saying that patrick is wrong i'm
2: not saying he's wrong (laughs) i'm saying nine times out of ten i don't think with any other character i would have been able to do that because of just the vast amounts of focus that i had you know because i had eight focus on that character and so it was like throwing blue things all over the place um like the reason why i won with the with the outlaw was because i had a five damage blocking hat you know um, and was able to clear it off and block when you take the the most amount of damage in the first couple of rounds against the demon lord. Yeah, I mean you need to have stuff to block against that, otherwise you're toast.
1: Yeah, Pat's totally right. Like I, yep. it took like eight nine playthroughs for me to finally realize it's like oh well, if there's one level three item that must be prioritized every single playthrough, it's armor. It's armor. Yeah, it's got to be armor, and you got to have enough potions to refresh your big one at least once. Well,
2: unless you get the five defense hat. There's a pretty sweet hat. (laughs) That is a a huge hat that has five defense. Um, Also a level three item. Yeah, but it's a green item. Yes, I think so.
1: Oh, it definitely is the Madman's Shade.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I had it last night, but I don't remember the name of it. Yeah, I'll
1: never forget it. I had it tattooed on my butt.
2: um, As far as other weaknesses, like we were talking about, um, I think eventually, like there's not since each game, no matter depending on what your player count is, you're playing through. The same like structure so the same amount of stops on the same amount of boards to get to the demon lord um there's not a lot of variation there it would be fun if there was another type of boss that you could fight at the end that maybe had a little bit different shtick but was still like super difficult although now that we know how the game works the, the demon lord is tough but he's not like and granted like you said there's difficulty options that could maybe ramp that up you know to 11 or whatever um but i think having some more of that and you know if there was an expansion that had like a couple more characters that were also iconic like diablo-esque character classes i think that would also go a long way um in in helping that um and so yeah did you have any other weaknesses that you for me, is just never having enough gems at the end, which isn't really a weakness of the game. Like It's
1: a weakness of me as a player to not figure out the best way to get to the best position for the end game.
2: The only other thing I would say um, is some semblance of more interplay between players would be interesting. I don't know how it would work with the way that the game is structured. Um, either having... An option where there was more of a cooperative aspect of the game where you're working together on something or a more competitive aspect of the game where you're purposefully fighting against each other at some point Um, I don't know I mean if it would just be a straight-up dice-off and you're trying to hit certain numbers against each other I'm not sure exactly what that would look like but that could be an interesting an interesting aspect There's a
1: mechanic in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game that would be interesting for this. In that game, you can borrow a die from the players next to you. So, like, if I had a three and you needed it, I could give you my three die. Pat had a two that I needed. I could take his two die. And so there's
2: a little bit of sharing. That would create a little bit of uh, camaraderie, teamwork. Okay. Yeah, like, the only other thing I can think of if you're going to make something competitive is to, like, have, like, a mechanism where you could take someone's spot. Or something like that. Or if someone was going to jump ahead of you, you have a way to, like, block them and switch spots with them or something like that. Like, which would be really interesting around, like, when you get close to a treasure chest. um, So you can try to pick earlier as opposed to later. Um, I don't know how a duel would work in the game, (laughs) but it would be interesting if you could come up with a system for, you know, you chuck dice off against each other and then you know go like die versus die whoever's highest so just the other one
1: just a hypothetical scenario
2: here patrick if we were playing this
1: game with casey and there was an option to duel do you think you would just duel him again and again and again <laughs> and yeah and I grind mean, him
0: mercilessly into worry the, dust? About the rules later if it's allowed <laughs> just uh as long as i get my victory points
1: <laughs> sounds like the right way to play sounds like the right way <laughs> bernsey where does sanctum which i think is a terrific game rank amongst other four player games like i initially when i asked myself that question i'm like oh i love sanctum it's going to be like right at the top of the list and then i started uh looking at some of my games that go up to four players wingspan it's like hate the theme of wingspan well don't hate the theme but i think it's Ridiculous. Wingspan, I think, is a better game than Sanctum. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Scythe is my favorite game. I think the base game is four players on Scythe. I'd put Scythe above Sanctum. Then there's Warriors, Gloomhaven, Pandemic, Everdell, Charterstone, which I know you played a fair amount. So, mm-hmm. I mean, Sanctum, I think, is a great game, but there is a really, like, competitive spot for four-player board games.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard, right? Um, I mean... It's a 7.1 on BoardGameGeek, which is below all of those games that you listed on Pot... Maybe not Charterstone, but everything else, it would be below that on BoardGameGeek. But, I think a lot of the aspect... Like, sure, you can compare this with those games. But, I don't necessarily know that that's always the best way to look at games, right? I mean... The game's not better than Gloomhaven, in my mind. The game's mechanically not better than Scythe or mechanically better than Wingspan. But if you're playing a lot of those really heavy games that are all about creating this engine, sometimes you want a little bit different game that's going to do something different. And Sanctum would fit right in in that area, you know, one thing that you mentioned earlier today off mic was
1: that there isn't really anything else that really fits this void. That's yeah. like, there's, there's engine builders. You yeah. can take, choose a skin for an engine builder that suits your taste. There aren't a lot of games where you can just
2: jump in, kill some monsters, level up, buy yeah. more gear and fight a big boss. Yeah. Because this is like a dungeon diving game, but there's not a focus on the dungeon. It's all about the leveling. And so, you know, you're still fighting things and that's an aspect of the game but it's not like the exploration that you have in gloomhaven you know um and so it, it it just it scratches a different itch and so whether it's better or not than those other games doesn't matter as much as to if depending upon the group of people that you have and the things that they're interested in you probably could still play it just as much as some of those other games and you know as we're talking about its theme is pretty accessible its gameplay and systems it's a lot at first but once you start playing it it like kind of makes sense Mm -hmm. i mean it's a very accessible game if you were playing with um you know a few people that don't play board games a lot and your choice was between this or scythe you probably go with Sanctum before you go <laughs> with Scythe because Scythe is something that you're going to have to buckle in for three hours and we're going to be here and we're going to, like, just try to destroy each other um, or screw each other over as much as possible. Whereas here, this would be a little bit more lighthearted romp. Um, you know, if you're playing with new players, it'd maybe take, like, two hours to get through the first game, you know, but then you could pick up and play the next game and probably finish it in an hour and a half. And so, you know that's the thing that I've kind of found now that I have a lot of different board games and sorry, I'm going on forever on this, but now that I have a lot of different board games, it's not so much about like how good a game is. It's more so like what audience it's for and like how it would fit in, in different sets of, of players. Um, when we played, when we had our March madness, Christmas number two, get together for like three days, um, over March madness, um, The most played game that we had there was Half Truth, which is a trivia game, because with the people that were there, it went up to six people. It was really easy to set up and play. We played it quite a few times because you could go through a game in about 35, 40 minutes. Trivia, I mean, everybody knows how trivia works. And once you explain the game, it was super easy to play. Um, and that worked and then everything else we played we played Res Arcana once we played John Company once we played um, There's a few other things that we played once um, we might have played Res Arcana twice actually, but you know, so Some of those games you set up you play them once you don't play them for six months This is something that you could maybe play a little bit more regularly So you're saying it's a
1: timeless classic that everyone should own.
2: I, <laughs> I think It's one of those games. That's not well known which also plays into BGG rankings because not mm-hmm. a lot of people play it. Not a lot of people rank it. You know, it's not as well known as those other games. Um, I, I don't know that it, it's less valid as a game, right? Sure. Um, well, Patrick, let's pivot to you here. Let's put
1: Sanctum up against your absolute favorite game in the world, Nemesis. Are you ready to push Nemesis into the earth of lava?
0: <laughs> no, not at all. But uh, I think...
1: Are you prejudiced against non-alien themed games?
0: Yes. So if this no, was an okay. alien
2: themed game, would you be more likely to enjoy it and No, keep
0: it? I'd still want more like uh, Ameritrash style, but uh, I, I think what Joey was kind of getting at, maybe maybe inefficiently, mm-hmm. was that there's, there's an efficiency to this game. I think I, uh, there's a, a strategy to time ratio mm-hmm. that I think oftentimes you, you know... It takes a longer game to to hit that much strategy. I think this one does it really efficiently with the just gameplay setup, uh, ease of learning, which is uh, and that's not often prioritized in in people's rankings. I think, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it totally does. Uh, what's the onboarding like for Nemesis?
0: <laughs> uh, setup is atrocious. Um, Especially when you forget part of the game at home. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Set up is atrocious. You have to at least play one, probably one full game before people even, you know, have an idea of what other objectives are that they have to be thinking of mm-hmm. and know what the rooms are that they will need to be searching for. Like it's, you need a, a three to four hour game. Just as a, a learning game, essentially,
1: yeah. yeah. And then, like, if you realize that you're borked halfway through, it's like, well, just ride it out for the end yeah. of that three hours, yeah. and uh, better luck next time. Yeah, so Jump. It's,
0: it's 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 I love the strategy once everybody knows what they're doing, but to get there, that's where the uh, the, the strategy inefficiency comes yeah. into play, I think. And this one probably has it maybe less, but you get there a lot faster. Mm-hmm.
1: When we played Nemesis, we uh, I went up to your place, and we played two games of Sanctum, we played a game of Nemesis, and Nemesis won the day for me because we were able to actively interact with each other and change one of the players' minds. Everyone has two objectives that they can accomplish. And uh, the other player had decided that they were going to destroy the ship and peace <laughs> out on a uh, on a pod. And we both had missions where we needed the ship to survive. So we were actually able to convince that third player to stay on Team Human. And I thought that was such an interesting and dynamic uh, option that Nemesis gave us. That Sanctum, just with the lack of player interaction, you can never have that sort of uh, immersive
2: experience it's like well mm-hmm. how cool is my gear real cool cool let's go fight the demon lord so when you look at it i mean there's not a lot of interplay in wingspan either right um scythe there's a lot of in- interplay but it's more so just negative like playing against each other um basically swoop in once on a weakened opponent and get your star for it pretty much pretty much and so like Sure, like, there's co-op games that, you know... Co-op adds a whole nother layer to things, which is why I tend to prefer co-op games to a lot of other games, because there's that whole, like, player-to-player aspect that adds so much to the gameplay experience, I feel. And, Patrick, why would you say that you hate cooperative
1: games with a burning, fiery passion? <laughs> it's, is it because you hate other people? No, I love... Is it because
2: you hate me?
0: Uh, well, there's that, but... <laughs> I mean,
2: if you had given them The Rock, he'd love you. Yeah. <sighs> never,
0: <laughs> never. It, my my f- favorite aspect of gaming by far is like having a plan and having smart players working against it with their own plans and not knowing when that axe is gonna fall. And that that you just it's a tension or almost stress level that I think is enjoyable. That you just you don't get it with a co op.
2: So your favorite game is Munchkin. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, you know when the axe is going to fall, then. It's when the first player gets up right on the cusp of winning. That's true. That's true. Uh, For me to poke fun at, Patrick, how does playing games with me change that? Because my objective, generally, when I can define my own objective, is to mess with you and to slow you down. (laughs) Generally speaking, I view you as a threat, oftentimes the biggest threat in a game, and so I will single-mindedly focus on keeping you from winning the game.
0: But uh, we've got such a history that that almost becomes enjoyable, (laughs) you know, because we... Do team up on occasion, and that makes that almost a little bit more fun. It's uh-huh. kind of like Professor X and Magneto. I, <laughs> like, I would think The
1: Rock and mankind,
2: but <laughs> you're Professor yeah, X, you're yeah, Magneto. Yeah, yep. and it's, it's, it's like, kind of like of a bald, gray hair. hair. Yep, yep, exactly. When, when
0: the stakes get high enough, or the story is epic enough, it's like, okay. Now we yeah. have to work together, and it's and there's still that just a yeah. little voice in the back of my head like is he going to turn on me right now and you know and it doesn't happen and occasionally it will and and both times I think it makes a a great memorable gaming experience
1: I'm glad that I can (laughs) enhance gaming for you
2: so the other thing I'll say on that note Is you know when Tom's angling for victory is when he's not screwing with Tom. (laughs) I
1: get real quiet.
2: You do. It's like I
1: stop antagonizing everyone and like (laughs) I just
2: quietly do my thing and like Barnes, you
1: call me out every time and no one
2: cares. It's like, oh Tom finally shut up. Great. (laughs) Well, I think people people either A don't listen to me or B, they listen to me but they're like, Yeah, but I'm gonna do this, this and this and this. And it's not going to get me anywhere close to winning, but I'm going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> or it's just a resigned fact of like, oh, I can't do anything to stop them. <laughs> Let's play Chaos in the Old World. I do enjoy that game. It's... I mean, and that's another game where the theme draws me in because I love Warhammer, but I think it's a fun game to play, too.
1: I don't know anything about Warhammer, but I like the game. Yeah. Thematically, Patrick, are you still into killing demons? Is this a theme that still has uh, fresh ground for you, or like, are you... Ready to be done with demons.
0: Uh, we touched on this one. I think I think it's begging for uh, an expansion. And we talked while we were playing. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Is what it sounds like. You know, it, it would need. It would be cool to have new bosses, new gear, a couple new new characters. Yep. Um. I'd I'd play a few times just to give each character that I haven't played a, a run. I feel like you can you can each character at least a couple of ways but you know well, beyond that
1: let's step away from sanctum like if there was a new game that focused on demon slaying sort of a similar structure where you kill the monsters get more loot like are you excited to play another demon slaying experience or like are you ready to go back to nemesis and stay in the alien mindset forever
0: oh yeah i'd love to play a uh, more demon slaying games like i said if you could make this game add add 40 minutes of Ameritrash gameplay, I think I would love it.
1: <laughs> what if we layered Demon Slaying over Deadwood, a game which <laughs> I think is fun but flawed? <laughs> huh? A little more dice rolling. Roll
0: a six to actually kill the demon. Yeah, start working on some prototypes, man. Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm on a frenzy. What about you? Because we talked with our mutual friend Adam Wilson a bit, and he's just tired of zombies. He's not yeah. interested in anything zombie-related anymore. He's got zombie fatigue as he does uh-huh. it. Uh, are you still into slaying demons? Is this
2: still a theme that's ripe for exploration, or are you good? I mean, I don't know that, like, if you're looking at the top uh like gameplay settings demon slaying is probably not in the top 10 like just in general so i i don't think it's like overwrought wrought with examples of things doom from a video game space right but there's not like it's not to the point where it's like there's 18 different shows like the walking dead doing the same thing right mm. i mean that's like the the, the, pro, the part with zombies that got overkill is that it was every single Every single medium of media was all zombies. And so then it's just like, I really don't want to deal with zombies anymore.
1: The Walking Dead was a beautiful flower because everyone was infected.
2: Were they? Yes. I thought it was that the people were more dangerous than the zombies.
1: Yeah, there's that too. But the big, I just spoiled season one for anyone that has watched <laughs> The Walking Dead.
2: All right, so more, more demon <laughs> slaying. Let's um, do it. So I wanted to turn that question on its head. What would be a theme that you think would work with the gameplay mechanisms of Sanctum? So like a different theme, you could maybe tweak some of it a little bit, but what would be something that you think where this system would work really well? I think I already know what Pat's answer is. <laughs> it's a spaceship and aliens.
1: Give me uh, Black Panther 2 uh the blue people versus the Wakandans.
2: Blue people. When you say blue people <laughs> I just automatically think of Avatar but then oh, yeah. oh, oh yeah. Namor's people. Yeah, gotcha, Namor's gotcha, people. Gotcha, gotcha. yeah. 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 I so who who you're on the Wakanda side obviously. No, I, I I'd follow Namor. Oh, so you could play as either side. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so then you'd have two separate two separate sets of cards. That would be either the Namor people would be the bad guys that you'd be playing, and then you fight Namor at the end. Otherwise, it's the other side, and you'd fight whoever uh, becomes Black Panther at the end. I'm not going to spoil it for people. Someone <laughs> becomes Black Panther? You haven't seen Black Panther 2 yet? Yeah, I just watched
1: oh. it. That's why this popped oh, into my okay, head. I was going to say.
2: <laughs> um, for me, since we we're talking about Chaos in the Old World, I'd love hey. to see, like, sort of like Vermintide, the video game, But you're like these like misfits. You could have like the four, five, six different classes that you'd be playing as, Um, but then you'd have different types of demon decks for each of the different five types of demons in Warhammer. Like that would be like a board game wet dream for me, probably because I just love. I feel like we're much closer now. I just love the Warhammer (laughs) setting so much, and it would be so fun to like fight like all these different types of all the weird Warhammer demons. I think that'd be awesome. I haven't seen the show, so maybe this is a stupid question, but what about Avatar
1: The Last Airbender? Do you think this could be that you could set up a game similar to Sanctum within the Last Airbender setting? Sure. I've
0: never seen it either, (laughs) so I have no idea. Oh, all right. I've seen it. I can't answer that. I don't know. remember if there's a big bad. I think otherwise you could because they're just unique characters with the unique powers honestly it seems really quite easy to reskin don't you think any any theme with individual people and a, and a big bad enemy where they where they team up to fight yeah it could be That's world
1: right. war ii with the nazis
0: <laughs> yeah. could you aliens you, you fight do... neka hitler at the end yeah.
1: Or... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wait pat you said aliens what
0: a xenomorph you're all a marine you get flamethrowers what are and... all the
2: little things that you fight then facehuggers
0: Facehuggers, the drones. I mean, you might need a more, a little bit more variety. I was going to say, would you throw
2: like a Predator in there? Or would the do Predator be another big bad?
0: Or you could team up with a Predator.
2: Or you play as one of like the prototypical horror movie villains, and then the demon cards are the different levels of campers or camp
0: counselors. Oh, that's dark. Yeah, you slaughter through you them just all. just slaughter
2: through them all. And then like <laughs> the, the equipment that they turn into would... You'd have to, you'd, you know, you can only get so much that it's like, oh, I've got a jacket of skin again. Well, what You if we the Fonz's leather jacket. <laughs> Instead
1: of uh, this uh, horror movie villains, what if you're like the amorphous blob from Limbo?
2: That uh, would work. Yeah, well. you like add another arm or a leg or a brain. Well, see, then you're adding in a whole different aspect where you like turn into that at some point. I
1: don't know. Also, I said the wrong game. I think I think I said limbo. You said I limbo, inside. inside. But that's right. <laughs> I knew where you're going with it. So
0: we mentioned X Men, hey, but you could do X Men real easily huh. with that one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Real easily. That might be a.
2: And you have like different uh, different like big bads at the end that you could be fighting, and then like different minions because of that. And
0: yep, yeah, different powers that each character can gain. Because then and you could focus have, on different things. You
2: could have like. Are we just talking about Marvel Champions now? Kind of.
0: <laughs> could I mean. Be.
2: Marvel Champions is a little bit different because you're always fighting the big bad instead of building up to fighting the big bad. Um, but I don't know. So yeah, I guess I guess you could put a lot of different things in there.
1: The takeaway here is we like board games. That's board true. games are fun. Mm. Patrick, your final thoughts on the Diablo show, either D two Resurrected or Sanctum. <laughs>
0: i wish i could have played d2 resurrected i do too um, like that
1: is one of my highlights of all gaming time was playing through d2 with you at your apartment in brainerd
0: yeah if the, if the ceo of blizzard listens to this uh, <laughs> oh yeah i'm sure yeah. that bobby Kotick does yeah we yeah. take some time out from making bad decisions i hope he listens to this podcast <laughs> and uh lets me play it with my integrated graphics card
1: <laughs> bernsey your final thoughts and takeaways from the diablo show
2: yeah, I mean, everything that we did for this was a lot of fun. Um, if I had to pick to spend, like, three more hours doing one of the two things, I'd probably play Sanctum for another three hours. Yeah, I As would. opposed to playing Diablo 2 for another three hours. Granted, I could see myself going back and jumping into Diablo 2 and playing around with it, especially if like a couple other people like if pat ever gets you know something figured out (laughs) with a computer um you know I, i i could see going back into it but like i said before i'd rather probably play either three or four and go in the more modern direction with that um it was fun to go back and look at how it used to be but um i'm pretty happy with where it's where it is and it's going
1: yeah uh, it was fun to go back to d2 d2 is one of my all-time favorite games still fun to play it's no longer groundbreaking but uh, i had a great time jumping in and messing around with the different characters and sanctum is an awesome board game and i enjoyed sharing it with one two three four five five different people as we were building up to the show so it's it's fun it's fun with different
2: player counts six, six. i forget figured... us two denim phoenix casey mm-hmm. and yourself
1: Oh, yeah, I didn't count myself. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I didn't share it with myself. I already knew what I was getting into. I was sharing it. <laughs> Five.
2: You should share it with yourself, Tom. Never. More <laughs> often.
1: Next month, we're going to break down Mars. This same crew will be back. I know that I teased this at the end of the last episode. Here's a a little (laughs) look at how the sausage is made. I have a whiteboard on the office wall that outlines all the shows for the year and the topics. And as I was wrapping up the show last month, I looked at the wrong upcoming month. So D2, the Diablo show, was always slated for May, but I read off the June show. So next month, I swear to you, we're going to break down Mars. We are watching the original Total Recall film, reading Stranger in a Strange Land and playing Terror terraforming mars i added terraforming mars to that show because i've heard it's a great game but i've never actually made time for it it's an engine building game for one to five players burns you put up total recall
2: yeah i mean so this is all like you have like barely watched any movies ever in your life i've and, never seen total recall so, so i'm glad you chose this so, <laughs> so it's one of those things where when we decided we were going to do mars it was like between this and the martian but it was just like uh, total recall is just a more fun crazy wonky view of mars and so i figured like if we have that which is a little bit different than what we're doing with terraforming mars because the martian it's not about terraforming but it's about trying to survive on mars so there's a little bit of a combination there let's go full dystopian with uh with total recall and see what that what that movie is like now 30 I love, years later. I love me some
1: dystopia. Patrick, you put up the book Stranger in a Strange Land, which doesn't take place on Mars. What's Mars Adjacent? What made you choose this book for our Mars show?
0: I, uh, I, I'm i a huge Starship Troopers fan <laughs> and and Robert Heinlein fan. And I read this a long time ago when I was uh, probably younger, immature, definitely immature, <laughs> and, and didn't really like it because there's... It's oh, not- I'm glad you put up something you don't like <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to give myself another shot at it it's it's not nearly as focused on the action as uh, Starship Troopers is it's a lot more I don't know no, there's not yeah. a lot of you're action like, at all,
1: really. You made us read the Silmarillion for the show, and then you're like, what could I follow that up with? I really hated Stranger <laughs> in a Strange Land. Let's do that. I like
0: injecting pain into your library yeah. choices.
1: Hey, Tom, this is how I'm going to get back to you from three
2: decades of board games. That's yeah. why you swayed me towards choosing the movie, I chose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. either choosing a one that I haven't seen that I've that's really good that I've wanted to see or one that I've seen before that's really bad that I think the other guys should experience and you're like choose the bad one yes
0: yeah anger and hatred tend to uh, <laughs> uh, get more discussion going I see think. it's weird
2: like watching like the two of you you know and this isn't like a judgment on someone's character <laughs> at go. all but I would feel like that Tom is more Sith and you're more Jedi but it feels like it's actually the opposite way around.
1: Yeah, I think it's true. I mean, a lot of your perspective is probably colored by the number of games that we play together. Because in games, I am a different animal than I am in real life. Like, if I were to choose my alignment in real life along D&D terms, like, I would be probably chaotic good. And uh, games, I am chaotic good neutral <laughs> like, is there a chaotic chaotic option yes, chaotic, chaotic. just just
2: flat chaotic
1: yeah i can keep the tempo going let's uh make a bunch of stuff happen and then let's react
0: Magic's definitely it. the evil one in he's real life he's lawful
1: evil which would be what I, sith
0: would be i hide it better which is what the sith do
1: <laughs> that's true i we're, wear everything on my sleeve like i am what i am and like you're you can Anakin. deal with it yeah. Oh yeah! I hope I'm. He's uh... Palpatine
2: <laughs> as he puts his hood up. Nope. <laughs>
1: very very fitting uh that is gonna do it for our show on diablo thank you so much for listening to this episode of outside is overrated please review us on your favorite podcast platform and support our show on patreon at patreon.com slash oio for joey at hobbybox burns and for patrick at pat on twitter i'm Tom logic at Tom logic oio we'll talk to you next month stay inside kids